host Jack Chambers and joining me, but only one person is joining me. It's Matthew Stogden. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Jack? I'm doing all right, thanks. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the listeners have noticed I stole the Sequelizers microphone from you. <laughs> so I, sh- I should be sounding real good and real we, nice. We should point compared out. Compared to the, the shit that I was sounding like before. Hopefully. We observed all the niceties <laughs> and all the social distancing parameters. We weren't like just up in our grills saying, hey, come in, have a drink. Let's have a good time. That's it was true. literally like, uh, uh, like you know, on a, on a Has on this a mic stick. stand been swabbed? Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And just Eat a pasta across each other. other. Yeah, precisely. Unfortunately, Tim is not with us on this nope. episode. Uh, he is waylaid, but uh, we do send him our best and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it will not slow down the sequelizers train. We are we are powering on through lockdowns, quarantines, illnesses, all that kind of stuff. As you may have noticed by the title of the episode, it's the return, uh, the revenge of the return Ooh. of listener feedback. The rise of the feedback. <laughs> no. Definitely not that. <laughs> Anything but that. Fucking hell. Definitely not that. The list- listeners awaken. <laughs> the, la- <laughs> the last feedback. I don't know. But no. So we've got a few questions. We've taken questions via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and our email via Gmail as well. And it is a cavalcade of stuff, shall we say, Matthew. It is a, an, a wide range of questions about about us, about the show, about the future of the show, about the past of the show, just random film questions and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yes. Should we get stuck in? I'm ready. Listeners, are you ready? Yes. Insert, yay! Little sound effect there, that'd be fine. <laughs> so, question one comes in via our Gmail. That's sequelizers at gmail.com if you ever need to send us an email. It's from Seth who says, I've been listening to the show since very early on in season one. That's an odd thing to say, not not episode one, but <laughs> early on in season one, like episode two, sure. Um, and do believe that the current form is easily superior. Well, thank you very much, Seth. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That said, I have caught myself wondering lately, do you ever get any feedback from the three former sequelizers? Do Tom, Stuart, or Alec ever still listen? Would you ever consider a one-off reunion episode and maybe a throwback of the panel-style show, we, the format we had previously? I think the current format is the best the show has ever been, but it could be cool to revisit the old style one more time. Or not, it's your show, and you nail it regardless. Cheers, Seth. A.K.A. They Call Me The Captain on Twitter. P.S. Mech suit! <laughs> and there uh, are like six six U's, four I's, and seven T's in mech suit! So, as it yeah, should be. That, that was pronounced correctly. Mm. Um, in, in short, we're still in contact with all three of them. Um, I was I was literally chatting to Alec earlier today. Uh, him and I have been doing some music recording stuff together. So even in lockdown, we're still making music together and stuff, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Working on some, we're still working on the Monster City album that's been in production for about eighteen months. <laughs> I think we were talking about this when Alec was still on the show. That's how long it's been. Yes. <laughs> like yes. How long I've been recording bass tracks because it is just an ongoing process. Um, we saw. Stuart, not too long ago as well, um, before lockdown and stuff, we we visited him in his uh, in his uh, office and said we hello to him and all that kind of stuff. We're doing filmmaking stuff for mm-hmm. Super Happy Kill Time and all that good stuff. Um, um, I'm, I was actually talking to Stuart like two days ago because we were doing like oh. the... Um, oh, fine. Uh, no, you're, like, you're hosting quizzes the, and stuff with him, aren't you? Hosting quizzes, yeah, exactly. Hosting quizzes on his, his Twitch channel and stuff. Um, we were talking about... Um, 
sequelizes briefly as well, so he still listens to the show and stuff. Like that. I think it's, I think people always worry or can or, or wonder if there's some animosity or something because it's from a listener point of view, a voice just vanishes and you always think it's something negative. It's like mm. no, 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 because anytime someone isn't available or, or or drops out, whatever happens, um, they never mysteriously disappear. There's a whole episode where they say, yeah, I'm just going to do some stuff. I'm busy with this, that, and the other, or, or whatever scheduling conflicts, etc. Um, Tom, for example, was in Norwich a little while ago. Um, and Tim and he were hanging out with, so we all still talk to each other. We're still friends, still normal. Um, in terms of, uh, the compliments in general on, on the show, thank you very much. We do try and refine it to something that's very good for us so that we can record frequently and regularly. And I'm not yeah, saying the, without... the, the shift in format has definitely helped the yes. weekly yes, it really option has. because we, we simply couldn't have done weekly episodes with any previous format, whether it was the, everybody pitches a little bit and see what happens or whether it was the two teams against each other, the original format from season one and season two, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it's a whole thing. And between you guys doing all the writing and me doing all the editing, there was no fucking way we could have done a weekly episode format. Monthly was like, Oh, that's a stretch. Like, okay, let's do, let's do every other week. And that got like with the when we were doing like one reel, two reel, like splitting it in half and all that kind of stuff. That was a whole. Yeah. What whoever thought that was a good idea, I don't know. <laughs> but um, that was a whole thing as well. And yeah, thankfully with the new format, we're able to continue doing the weekly stuff. Um, I know Alec does still tune in. Um, I know he's not much of a podcast listener. I don't think he's like listening every single week or whatever. But he does dip in out if we do. Um, interest films and stuff yeah. like that. I mentioned some of the films we've got coming up in season six. There's a tease for you listeners. <laughs> and he's he's very, very interested in a couple of them, particularly episode one. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. As 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 we already know, uh me and you, Matt, but which we've actually already recorded funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> we've actually recorded long before all this lockdown bullshit. And yeah, uh, yeah, we've got that. I'm very excited for that to come out because uh <laughs> by the way, uh Tim did the pitch and it's fantastic. So you've got that very uh, good. Very little good tease for you. And in terms of reunion and the return of the panel show style format, maybe. <laughs> Probably not on the main show, because like I said, it's really not a format we could produce on a weekly basis unless we, I don't know, our patron suddenly grows tenfold or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> if we're suddenly making thousands of dollars a month and we yeah, can afford to like yeah. pay salaries or like mm. an editor or something like that and, and do it that way and we can just be you know, talent for want of a better phrase, and we could dedicate some more like full time job stuff to it. That would be an option. That doesn't seem very fucking likely considering we're a podcast and that's not a thing that particularly happens. Sure. But we have been talking about potentially doing a reunion show as a long term goal as a live show, potentially. You may have noticed one of the Patreon tiers is the older sneaky live show there and we might want to try and bring back some of the former sequelizers and uh bring the crew back together in some format so yeah potentially but it, w- yeah. it won't be on the main show unless circumstances drastically change like everything on like if it, take television for example in your favorite series sometimes you'll get a cameo sometimes it'll be a feature thing but it's very rarely oh my god the entire old cast is coming back to be exactly as it was and you, you see the show and think oh no, I'm kind of used to the new format. I'm not sure I like this. <laughs> um, like Fuller House or something like that. Yo, oh no. Mm. No, I'm good, thanks. Um, yeah. yeah. But thank you, Seth. Yeah. I mean, like, we're very um, grateful you've been listening this long and uh, continues to support and like the show. So thank you very much. And also, Mexu! 
that's the important thing. That's the important takeaway from that whole thing. That's all I took away from that. I, I kind of yeah. blagged the rest of the, uh, the question. <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> so the next question comes from Jono via Gmail. Jack's already said the Gmail. I don't need to promote that again. Hi, guys. Big fan. I feel like I should insert a terrible joke here about a large fan, but I won't. It's, we've, I had have... a war- we've had a warm start to May, so uh, we've, had, we've had a few big fans around, if you know what I mean. Yep. <laughs> I have three questions, which oh, we will yeah. allow. We'll allow them. And then at the edit, there'll suddenly be one because we decided we didn't like them or something. Um, question number <laughs> one. Favourite father-son movement in a movie? Shit. Easy. He says, mine is the catch at the end of Field of Dreams. Obviously, I know, but it's a favourite film, so I don't care. It's, it's a fairly favorite iconic film. One. Mm, that is an iconic, iconic yeah. scene. Um, I this is getting a bit weird and deep, but oh. don't have a p- particularly interesting or you know important relationship with my father, so nothing really resonates me <laughs> with in, with films in that way. It's like, mm. eh, my dad's my dad. I'm not fucking Spielberg. You know what I mean? And not everything has to be a, <laughs> has to be a father son dynamic or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. The one that sticks out to me, the first thing I thought of was like, this is definitely not my favourite, this might be my most annoying, mm. and I'm not going to get into this into a larger discussion because I'll be here forever, mm-hmm. is of course, Jonathan Kent in Man of Steel. Don't save me, son. I'll just <laughs> die for no reason. Thanks, Kevin Costner, you piece of shit. <laughs> the slow, the, the hand raise and the slow head shake of, nope, I'm not going to be nope. in this film anymore. There's I'm n- done. <laughs> Their budget has run out now. It's time. For, I must return to my people. I saved the dog. Now I'm the real hero. Yeah. I'm done. Also, you guys being under that flyover, you're probably in more danger. But bye. Don't save, don't save the kids in the bus and don't save me from a tornado because fuck it. <laughs> I must admit, I, watching Man of Steel, I remember saying, it sounds strange to say this now, but you have to understand the power of marketing. We come out of the, of the Dark Knight trilogy, and the Man of Steel trailers were pretty good. They got us mm, pumped for the film. I remember. Yeah. And everyone said, they can't fuck this up. <laughs> that was the general understanding. Much in the same way that we talk about in the Star Trek V episode, we're saying things like, yeah, Star Trek V was set to be the biggest film of the year. And like, how? So, yeah, because you've seen it. At the time, no one had seen it. They just thought it'd be huge. Um, so um, when I watched the film, I thought, Oh, we're gonna get it now. We're gonna get it now. He's gonna just he has to because you want the moment where it's it's cliche. We want the cathartic moment where, you know, the character breaks rank, as it were, and defies thing to do the right thing because it's the right fucking thing. Yeah. And it's like, nope, just gonna let him die and just traumatize me. And you're like, oh, um, this is not satisfactory. I'm not happy with this. So, yeah, I, I actually, I understand Jack's one. I can understand that. My one is actually not necessarily a moment. It's an entire film, I'm afraid. Ooh. Um, uh, in the past, in like these little Instagram or whatever it is, online questionnaire sort of things, there's always the question of, ooh, what, which films define you? Or what books should you say define your personality? Or whatever. And Jack is always fond of pointing out that there are two, like, oh, that makes complete sense. And one, he goes, what the fuck? And it's just like a complete left-wing choice and one that sort of comes out of nowhere every now and again for me is um sam mendes's road to perdition with uh tom hanks and nice. i really enjoy that film now my relationship comic. With my, it is exactly Probably. people yeah, forget yeah, that yeah. yeah and my relationship with my father is fine it's good I, my dad's great and we get on 
Um, <laughs> we had the typical father-son conversations of like, you're right? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, and he's cutting. Let Obviously me tell you about hair. the birds and the bees here, man. <laughs> I don't think I've had the conversation with my parents. Um, <laughs> but, um, I don't think I did either. I don't know I how don't know. I it's, learned it's, it's about weird... the birds and the bees. Yeah. I think I've... I mean, uh, the internet and school existed, so I learned. Um, <laughs> but basically... Um, no, so I don't. I don't have that kind of when I. It's, it sounds strange, because I really do find the resonance of those sorts of portrayals and those sorts of things. But it's not necessarily because I have a particular um, bad relationship with my father that I want to heal or something. It's like no, I just my, like my dad. It's fine. But the point is that Road to Perdition, from start to end, it's the closest we've got to Tom Hanks playing a bad guy. <laughs> an actual villain and I still to this day maintain Tom Hanks playing a villain would be the best thing ever it would crush so many people um, like Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the, in, in, uh, in the West so basically um, the the whole film is about this uh, gangster who works for this sort of Italian sorry the, the Irish mob uh, in Chicago in the 30s and his son or his whole family at risk after they uh, don't go along with this crime committed by Daniel Craig's character and they drive out to Chicago and try and get the support of um, Al Capone and nobody wants to touch him or be involved with it because it's again classic family staying out of certain family business and it's nothing personal that kind of thing um, so they start robbing the banks but not the banks being robbed for the public's money or the people's money just dirty Capone money just mob money um and it's like as much as they want to protect them out of loyalty eventually when it starts you know impacting their wallet they'll be sick of it but the whole way along it's a father-son journey the rest of the family spoilers unfortunately but it's the premise of the film the rest of the family the the the, the wife and the other son are dead and they have this for lack of a better word shitty relationship because it's the 30s and obviously men don't talk to each other and hide their feelings and there's a few so so many really solid moments one where he's just saying um What's what's what is it? It's like it's maths, and he's doing like a ledger. He's trying to figure out what it is, and he says, um, he, "He they have that moment of connection where he says, yeah, I hated maths in school as well.' I'm saying maths, obviously in America, says math. He says, okay, <laughs> well, what did you like, or do you it's like? Maths. What did you like in school? Um, you know, when you go, and he says, oh, I liked uh, I liked English, I liked the stories, and he's like, oh, okay. Um, and then he and then he suddenly turns around and says, "Did you love my brother more than me?" And it and it's like takes him sideways and he, he answers very honestly says, no just you were different and he was just a sweet boy and you and he pauses and the beautiful Tom Hanks delivery says you you're more like me and it's just like oh it's 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 so good because the the tragedy of the film is everything that goes on in it and the things that happen between them and the general interactions as, as a whole there's also wonderful moments of rapport between them where he's like um hey dad I want some my share of the money and he says okay how much do you want I think he says like one hundred dollars. He says, "Okay, fine." And he starts eating. He goes, "Oh yeah." And he stops and says, "Could I have had any more?" And he says, "We'll never know." And it's just there's so many bits. I and again, I really do love that movie more than I more than I should. But I, I love the aesthetic of it. The, the fucking cinematography is gorgeous. Um, but and the soundtrack is amazing. But yeah, I'd say that's uh, there's lots of moments in that film, especially considering there's lots of fathers and sons because um, Paul Newman and it plays the father to Daniel Craig. And he beats the shit out of him and he says, I cursed the fucking day you were born. And then he goes, oh, my son. <laughs> and he hugs him because he doesn't know how to deal with it. And it's, but it's, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Um, so that's my answer. Next question. 
Favourite tension building scene in a movie? Mine is the pub scene, uh, or sequence, sorry, in Inglorious Bastards, also interchangeable with the opening mm. sequence. Yeah, very solid. We talked about that in oh. um, in our Patreon episode about food, which I won't uh, spoil too much of, but we were talking about the idea of what you can do to establish tension and repeated tension things. So, yeah, very solid shout. What about you, Jack? The kitchen scene in Jurassic Park is mm. fucking amazing and has haunted me since I was five years old basically Makes sense. and yeah just the like the the kids crawling across the floor and then backing up and then just sat there and when the ladle drops oh my god every time and the when, yeah. when the velociraptors do the like really unnerving like summon oh, reinforcements thing oh and the tapping as well but i'm thinking like the orc, oh oh orc, yeah orc thing they do and it's like what the fuck is this? They're communicating. Oh my god! <laughs> and then they're like, ding, 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 with the yeah, with the the claw, yeah. thing like that. Um, the other one that really stands out to me and is like an all-time great scene in my opinion, and something we discussed mm-hmm. in the last season is the night vision scene in Silence of the Lambs. Of course, I it's classic agree with that. Yeah, and that is fucking terrifying and brilliant and. Mm-hmm. You just want to like reach out and be like, "No, Jodie Foster, run away!" <laughs> <laughs> but no, she can't. She's you feel like the camera is like an inch away from her face, and she's just not aware. And you're like, "Oh my god, no, yeah, mm. uh, ah, turn around," uh, and which is like the perfect tension building scene when you're like, "I want to reach in there and help that person." I want to. Oh my god, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's like perfect tension building for me. Uh, I mean, there are tons for me. I think uh, horror in general is is full of them, so it's it's hard not to think about that. But also dramas as well and things. Um, even a weird way, comedy. You think, oh shit, someone's gonna walk in on them to be hilarious, but it's bad. So for me personally, uh, the first thing that leaps to mind, and therefore I always think that's a bit of a, a good example, is The Shining. And again, much like Road to Perdition, so many examples in The Shining. But for me, the tension in The Shining is when I first watched it, I hadn't, um, I hadn't read the book at that point. I don't think. I think I'd just seen the film first, and I didn't know what was going to happen and whatever. But there are so many yeah. moments of tension. I think the one that grips me is Dick Halloran pulling up to the house and walking in, and you know it's a shit show in there. And he's just sort of calmly walking around, and then you know Jack comes up behind a pillar and goes, ah! with the axe. So, yeah. yeah, that that to me I think is the uh, uh, is, is one that will always sort of stand to me. But again, there's so many moments in that that's tense. I mean, Danny walk, you know, rolling around in his his big big wheel thingy, and oh, then the, the, the walking up to thing. yeah, walk up to two three seven slowly. It's just oh, there's there's tons of tons of options. I think so. That's that would be my initial. Initial reaction. Question number three. Movie character you most identify with? I have two. Ben Reitman from The Perfect Catch. Clearly, uh, Jono is a big baseball fan. Um, US remake of Fievervich. That's and... a film I'd literally never heard of until I saw this question. I'm like, huh. Yeah. Um, okay. And baseball. Lloyd Dobler from Say Anything, uh, which is um, a Cusack movie, which is good. Say Anything's really good. The, the, the iconic holding up of the... Exactly. What do you call that? Because... I think the my generation still call it a ghetto blaster and probably shouldn't call it Oh, a ghetto blaster. <laughs> Fuck me, you're old. Amazing. Yeah. I know. I feel like I was, I was like, oh, it's ghetto blaster, isn't it? And then, and then of course, ghetto classic thing. Wait, those words don't feel good. I feel like I shouldn't be ever saying that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I feel um, dirty when I say ghetto I, blaster. I do. 
Okay, uh, thank you and keep up the awesome work. Sequelizers has been seriously helpful in taking my mind off of everything going on at the moment. And I'm sure that's the case for a lot of people. Thanks again, Jono. Um, dude, again, we'll answer your question in just a moment. But um, yeah, no, you're very, very, very welcome. Obviously, we could have put us on hiatus. We, we've, fuck knows, we've done tons of hiatus in the past. But it's good to know people are <laughs> genuinely... Had one very very long hiatus <laughs> that we still haven't lived down no no precisely um and we never that, want that, to the again. guilt of that still haunts me yeah that's why we're that's why we're like weekly content has to happen so um no you're very very welcome always are um so character you most identify with uh tricky one actually um jack what about you uh i've got a couple kind okay. of a, a mixture so the nerdy side of me, like growing up, obviously I, I've always been a. Uh, the listeners know this about me. I'm a big guy, and and I'm a big and deal. I mean that, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I very much mean that in a uh, Aiden Gillen at the beginning of Dark Knight Rises. You're a big guy. Sense obviously. for you, um, <laughs> for you. Yeah, I'm a big guy uh, for you. <laughs> I'm a big guy for you, and uh, not necessarily in the kind of like. I grew up as a nerdy kid, but I was also a big kid, so I was kind of like bullied in a few different ways there. Sure. So what I instantly thought of, and this is kind of a little... Uh, I don't know if it's actually considered a good film, the people actually like this film, but I really enjoyed it when I first watched it. It's Christopher Mintz-Plasser's character from Role Models. Oggy, oh! I think Oggy, whatever his name is. Yeah, Role um, Models is an interesting one. I really enjoyed Role Models when I saw it 10 years ago, or whenever the hell it came out. RPG and, and Kiss, I know, kind of... <laughs> yeah, heavy metal and LARPing, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and the other person I really kind of... Because it was... Hello, Toothless. Debut on Sequel. <laughs> yeah. I'll I think it's a debut at this point. I think we've... Uh... <laughs> has, she, has she ever been kept in an episode? I don't know. I think she's in the background of some of the um, remote stuff, yeah. Probably. Almost certainly. Um, yeah. The other person I've always... Kind of, I again, I kind of grew up with in a way was Sean from Sean of the Dead. I'm just thinking that, like, yeah, working that horrible fucking retail job and just, uh, just having to deal with life and like, oh, there's that guy who's <clears throat> just a dick who's the 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 Dylan Moran character. I just, I just have mm. to deal with him and also deal with like, oh, you mate. You've got your loudmouth mate who's a bit of a dick who says the N-word, and you're like, oh, good, yeah, great. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I'm just, I just want to chill out and not do much and go to the Winchester and wait for it all to blow over. You know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. So, yeah, kind of like, that's kind of like early teens me and then late teens, early 20s me kind of mm. transitioning there, I think. So, yeah. Mm. How about, are you going to go for like something, something appropriately Irish? French, actually. Oh, um, okay. So, uh, one of my favorite books is *The Count of Monte Cristo* um, by Edmund, um, Alexander Dumas, and because you, you're pretentious, I am extremely pretentious. But I, I used to work at a bookshop, and I ran the classic section, and it was a big book, basically. And I was like, "Oh, this is a big book, I like *War and Peace*. I wonder what's in it." And the truth and is, one I of those kids. <laughs> I was like, "I wonder what's in it." I read *Ulysses* and things by Joyce as well. I thought, actually, I enjoy this. It's not that it's a, or Lord of the Rings, for example. It's a big, daunting book, but it's actually full of interesting stuff. Not always a guarantee, but, you know. So I read it, and I didn't appreciate that Dumas tended to 
write stuff for papers, like newspapers, sort of serialized. The idea they would come out in in fragments, and then he, when he produced it in book form, in a novel form, it was edited and whipped down. So the book is very long and very spra sprawling, and there've been various. Uh, remakes and versions of it. And things like reference like in V Vendetta, for example. And to an extent, Old Boy is a similar narrative. So those who don't know about the Count of Monte Cristo, it's about a guy called Edmond Dantes, and then he is randomly imprisoned for a very, very long period of time. He spends time in prison with a priest who tells him about um, a, a treasure, and then he gets out of prison, or breaks out, and he takes that treasure and finds it and spends it to just wreak his fucking revenge and lots of disguises. And um, <laughs> there's a film version from 2002 that didn't get a great deal of heralding. It was fine. For a period drama, it did. It made its money back a bit more, so it was a success. It was critically fine. I actually really like it. And I most importantly like the changes it makes. It actually changes some things around with the characters to streamline it first of all, but also to make it a little bit more personal, because some of the characters are sort of blended in and, and amalgamated a little bit just to make them a bit more, you know, rather than a big sprawling cast, and the revenge isn't as as absurd, for example. Um, but it it works really nicely. And I love the idea. It's, yes, yeah, it's a strange thing to say, but ultimately the 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 answer is I the best the character I identify with most is an individual who bad things have happened to, and then he spends a long time trying to get revenge for it, and it's his only focus. And he's like, no, 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 fuck this. I'm going to be this person. This is the person I'm going to create, the persona that I'm going to become. And then over a period of time, he realizes, this is a lot of hassle, this is a lot of bullshit, and I'm fighting for the wrong thing, and I need to stop. And then becoming a better person after that. So that basically, I think, is is a, it's a weird, very much look into my life, unfortunately. But I actually like that film. Um, Jim Caviezel's in it, Guy Pearce is in it. They're both very good. Richard Harris is great in it. It's got a really young um, Henry Cavill in it, playing one of the character's kids. Um, but I, I actually like it as an adaptation. I think it's pretty pretty solid. Uh, Louis Guzman's really good in it. So yeah, I think it's a solid film directed by um, Kevin Reynolds. He hasn't directed a great deal that I've really liked, but this one is is well constructed. So that would be my answer. And thank you very much for your questions. Question three coming in from Twitter from uh, a regular tweeter of ours, a, a name I certainly recognize from, mm -hmm. from conversations past and uh, in our Discord as well. Uh, Lee Holod. Holod. No idea how to pronounce your surname, Lee, but it, it's cool. Looking. Holod. Holod. <laughs> I bet it's not, but I wanted to do that. Short, so. short for hollow deck, I can only assume. <laughs> uh, he is at Canon Bod, which is, again, a, a great handle. Uh, starts off with weird one, which is always a good start to a yeah, question. Yeah. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Police Academy, but I am aware oh, they oh. aren't exactly Oscar bait. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, correct, they're not Oscar bait. Despite the steady decline, I still enjoy them all. Except seven. Mm. You're pushing your luck there, mate. General mm. impressions? Where would you say the rot set in? Were they ever good? I'll go straight to question three of that, part three of that question. Were they ever good? <laughs> no. No, they were not. Where would you say the rot set in? Number one. Uh, general impressions? I've only seen the first two and I had enough. So, mm. yeah, not a big Police Academy guy. By the time I saw them, 
they were already old and i once again it's that thing where i'd seen it done on the simpsons a million times and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. i was like yeah i've seen parodies of this already and i already don't care so yeah i don't care about all seven of them i barely even care about the first two i'm afraid sorry to break your heart lee i know, <laughs> I know how much you like them <laughs> so my reaction is going to be slightly different oh the Matt's first one is six <laughs> the first one is literally a month older than I am and they ran for like 10 years to, to into like 94 and at the same time I remember the TV series the animated TV series as well because it was one of those and I've seen them all God obviously and I've seen that as well uh, I'm pretty old I'm pretty old but the point <laughs> is that I my, my response okay let's, let's answer the question in, 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 in order of sequence general impressions my general impressions are that they are very formulaic. The cast rotate in and out, uh, and every time they do, they suffer in some capacity. Other times they increase and get a bit better. So the the antagonist changing, for example, I actually thoroughly approve of. I think it was a good shout. Yeah, I think I think ultimately they are fine in that regard. I haven't rewatched one in a good decade easily. Um <laughs> I watched, I watched the first two back to back about 10 years ago and I was like, well, this is not for me. <laughs> and I'm done. I don't get this. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm looking around the room now and I'm in my sort of DVD room and I don't see. Ooh, I, I, do you I, own any of them? I just think I don't own any of them. I don't own really? a single that, one of them. That's a bad sign. That's, that's a bad. That's... If you, even you don't own it. Yeah. In my um, cataloging yeah. of things, in my in my collection and literally collection like a. Uh, uh, for posterity purposes, I've got a lot of shit in here, and I haven't got that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna turn around. I've got Stone Cold and Death Machine. That's that's some that's some really old crappy pieces of shit. So, um, <laughs> I don't have them. So that's my general impressions. I don't really care. I have no affinity to them in that regard. I've seen them all. I've absorbed them all. I know the characters. I have seen preferences. them all. Jesus, I've seen them all. Um, but next question: Where would you say the rot set in? I actually kind of agree with Jack. First one. I also think the rot reset in on five because first assignment back in training and citizens on patrol feel like a bit like a Star Trek. They feel like an enclosed thing because the characters kind of settled down by then. Um, there was less shifting around. It's when you kind of get to like Miami Beach assignment, or assignment Miami Beach, sorry, that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, this is um, this is not good. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> this isn't doing anything anymore. It gets more and more ridiculous and stupid. Mission Moscow is just fucking atrocious. Now, this is the interesting part is the third one. Were they ever good? Um, I'm kind of with Jack. No. But equally, if I'm honest with you, they are very much a product of their own time. And they are a time capsule piece. They are uh, an example of comedy of the time. It's the it, There's a lot of offensive shit in there. It's racist and sexist and homophobic and arrogant and classist in a weird way and all kinds of stuff and it's and rapey as fuck and the 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 truth is <laughs> that shit doesn't age well at all that's just very very bad and so for example if you showed it to someone now and they watch and think this is trash i mean there's a, a few funny slapstick things set up and 
Um, oh, that guy does Jones does the voices. <laughs> and Hightower's really tall. And that guy, he likes his guns. Oh, and the little lady, she's like, excuse me, excuse me, could you possibly listen up? And it's like, oh, when's the fucking formula going to happen? When are we going to see the guy that transformation? That does all the noises or whatever. Yeah, in? exactly. Yeah, he does, and he's, he's gone on to do other noises and other stuff. I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a career. I suppose well, so. That, yeah, but they're very specific 80s sounds. Um, but the well, point have you is, heard his, have you heard his cover? And I say this yeah. loosely yeah. of um, "A Whole Lot of Love" by Led Zeppelin. No, he's weird as fuck. Weird. So there's a, a guy way? next to him. Do, no, there's a guy <laughs> next to him. It's on some like talk show or something. Yeah. And accompanying him as a guy on an acoustic guitar, going like. Yeah. Sure. And he does a Robert Plant impression. Like fully does the whole Robert Plant like yeah, yeah, yeah. sexual like ah, 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 kind of thing, <laughs> and then does a guitar solo with his mouth using like a distortion pedal. For those of you who aren't guitarists and musicians and whatever else, yeah, a distortion pedal is that. If you hear like a rock song or a metal song or whatever, that's the difference. That that like da 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 kind of like aggression in the yes. guitar tone is distortion. He adds that to his voice through effects and does sings the guitar solo from Whole Lot of Love and then does a little like jam with himself and it's fucking weird. Mm. Real fucking weird. And is it Michael Winslow? Is Winslow, he also plays Jones, that's right, yeah. 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 It it's it's very much I don't I mean, there's always talk about like, oh, we should bring this back and do an eight or something like that. And it's like, no, God, no. <laughs> you leave that in the fucking 80s where it belongs. It didn't really even work in the 90s. That's why obviously it died. Um, I think it's, I mean, again, like Tackleberry, he's like a, a really angry, dirty Harry kind of guy with his, um, he always has the has the uh, the bike cop attire. And he... Um, so he's got the big 45 Magnum, effectively. And um, it, again, it doesn't fit well with this environment now where you've got, obviously, police brutality and the nature of unarmed people being shot all the time and corruption. And yeah, obviously it was there at the time in the 80s as well, but it's like it just feels like a really insensitive and bad portrayal of anything. And I know it was for comedy purposes and I know it was funny at the time, effectively, but it ultimately in my opinion, is why I don't think they really ever were that good. But by that standard, if you ever judge a film from the past with that metric, you end up by saying, was this ever good? It was black and white. It can't be that good. And you're like, well, no, no. At the time, it probably was quite good because <laughs> you what was around. But then equally, yeah. And equally, I, I think within 20 years, they'll be in a bin and they'll say, oh, do you remember this? It's like, no, nobody remembers it. It's not a thing. Done. So, Yeah. I don't think we'll be. I I don't think we'll be covering them anytime soon. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> I have no intention of getting to that franchise. I, I mean, we kind of did just cover it. <laughs> is is it on the list? It's probably on the list somewhere. I don't it's, know. It's not on. It's not on the list because we have to acknowledge that one of them is good. <laughs> and or, or, or admittedly, even mediocre. And I don't think they're mediocre. I think they're not not that great. The next question comes from Peter Randall via Twitter, I want to say. Um, his handle is Peter S. Randall. Are there any films where one of you haven't been able to convince the others that it's a bad scene? Well, my perfectly timed, considering we're talking about 
the nature of agreeing to what is a bad sequel. So yes, convince the others that it's a bad sequel. I miss the team names from the old format. That's fair. More guys figure being an absolute favorite. That's fair. That was good. I can't think how you could incorporate them. Yeah. Most and least favorite team names. Okay. Let's let's I'm going to deal with the last one first if you don't mind, Jack. Um the most and least favorite team names are the same thing actually. Street Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> because that is the prime example of something that gets out of hand. It's like when Gary Newman gets interviewed and they start playing cars at him and he's like, it's like a 40-year-old song, man. <laughs> You're like, oh shit. Um, because it's it's what people know you for. And for me, it was it's a it's a funny joke. And the thing is it had to stop because ultimately it was a joke between Tom and myself. And when Tom left the show, it would be weird to just say, Tim, here's a running joke that didn't involve you. It's yeah, definitely. Part of it. It's 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 weird and stupid. So basically, yeah, it, it, because it became such a thing. And by the time we got to antagonistic with, I think the series two, where we like trying to incorporate it in, the, I hate puns, but like the most and <laughs> awkward and painful way. And like, what the fuck? Just to really piss people off. So yes, that, they're my most and least favorite team names. In terms of that, you incorporate them. Unfortunately, we can't. The closest we have is us saying silly things when when Jack introduces us, when I, where I panic and just shout pigs <laughs> most of the time. So I did, I did actually have an idea for this, which I haven't really by uh, Matt and Tim yet. I'm ready. Is if we did want to come up with like a silly pun thing, because I know how much Matt loves puns. Fuck puns, man. Is what would be the working title of the sequel? As oh, the working it. title. That's good. So, like, because you know, like, you get like, oh, wow, there's some really cool thing, and it's just called like Project X. What the fuck um, is that? Like, oh, that's X Men Three or whatever. Like, After Party was the name of uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron when it was filmed in Norway. There you go. Yeah, get cool stuff like that. But yeah, it doesn't work quite the same way that like more Geist's Ficker does. Um, the episode with my two favorites combined Ooh. is actually one of the episodes which we'll come to in a minute. In a, another question is one of the most painful recording experiences <laughs> I think we've ever had. Um, and it is not the incredibly hot, hottest day on record episode. No, yeah. Don't worry. Um, it's actually episode six. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which I stand by is a shitty sequel. And it's probably the film I've had most arguments with people in real life about since we recorded that episode, mm-hmm. including our very own John Scarrett. Yes. He, is a, he is a Dead Man's Chest defender, mm. and he's wrong. Anyway, that episode, we recorded it in Tom's like brand new flat. He had just moved in. True. And my laptop, we were running with the the shitty mic on a glass coffee table <laughs> and my my laptop died like 40 minutes into recording yeah and i absolutely shit a brick and the, by the way that's still the laptop i have to this day <laughs> that uh, died a couple of days ago <laughs> <laughs> yes well no that, that's another laptop oh sorry <laughs> the, the, this is another backup laptop but got it got it but still and um my god yeah that that episode was a pain in the ass to record but my two favorite ever team names were you guys pivoting and we saw it coming from a mile away because you'd built up the street sharks and street sharks forever and all this bollocks oh yeah 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 street sharks from space whatever you were <laughs> and then you motherfuckers went sea sharks and i was like you oh, you motherfuckers sea sharks was the sea best. sharks <laughs> i think my reply was like so you mean shark sharks <laughs> 
That's normal, Sharks, you bastards. (laughs) And you and Tom just absolutely pissing yourselves laughing. Yeah. Um, And of course, (laughs) that is also the birth of Frampton Comes Aboard. Yeah, it is. Which is the Peter Frampton meme (laughs) thing that Alec created that for some reason Stuart let him do. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it, it it was like... Street Sharks had already been established in the canon of sequelizers. Yes. Then you guys pivoted and like basically tricked us all. Yes. Sea Sharks, motherfuckers. Oh god. And then <laughs> the the essentially, for want of a better phrase, the birth of Peter Frampton as we know it. Yes. Thanks yes. to Alec. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you want to go back, it's episode six of season one. So uh, yeah. Was that season one? Oh my. It's god. season one. It's literally it's so episode six, Matthew. It is. Um, it was uh, nearly three years ago as of recording. That is very so, strange. It's about 70 episodes to, ago, to put that into perspective. So that would be, was that the example of the one, you, not only the best team and things, but also the um, the the sequel, Convincing Others? Uh, no, no. I'm trying to think if there's one where I haven't been able to convince you guys, because See, that's, if, the one I've, that's the one I've had yeah. the most arguments about with other people. That and Shrek 2. A lot of people oh, defend Christ. Shrek too. They're all wrong. A lot of people are like, oh, what's the podcast about? I'm like, oh, it's just about you know, it's about films and stuff. Keep <laughs> it as vague as possible. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they don't really know what a podcast is, and they'll go, mm. oh, that's <laughs> nice, and move on. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, what kind of films? I'm like, fuck, okay. Um, so you know how there's like good films and bad films, right? You're aware of the concept of good and bad. We have, yeah, that has to work first and so, foremost, so we're in trouble. <laughs> There's a good there's good films and then they are then followed by how would you describe like a bad sequel, for example? So we're called the sequelizers and they go, Oh that's clever. And it's a pun, it's not clever. We it's it's clever because it's a pun. And then we fix the bad sequels to good movies. And they're like, Oh, okay, okay. And then they come up with like obviously bullshit we've already covered like, oh like Jaws 2 and I'm like yeah 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 and Shrek 2 and they're like you what <laughs> Shrek 2 is a fucking masterpiece <laughs> well, first of all no it's not and no. second of all we decide it go fuck yourself yes. so uh, I don't think there has been one where I've tried to convince you guys because we all kind of most bad sequels are bad enough that we kind mm. of agree on them and even the controversial ones we all kind of agreed on it and Shrek 2 is that perfect example of like, is Shrek, hold on, is Shrek 2 bad? Are we sure? We went and watched it and we all came back and were like, Shrek 2's crap. It is where the rot set in. Yeah, we, we're we initially right just and the, the world is about it. We were talking about it and just saying, oh, well, obviously Shrek 2. That's where that's what I mean. We all, said, we all said, yeah. And then paused and said, hang on, a lot of people seem to like this. Are we sure we got it it's right? It's higher we, rated than the first one. Yeah. Right? Oh, shit. And then we went back and listened and watched it and said, no, it's still shit. We're still right. Um, there have been some instances in the, I mean, obviously it won't be the case because no one goes in. I mean, if we have any problems, we actively voice them on the show saying, I'm actually not, I think this is fine. That kind of thing. We've had several times where we've actually openly said, I actually don't mind this film. I think it's all right. And and we just carry on from there um, because we can still see there are flaws with it. We can understand there are issues that need to be fixed and addressed. Um, there is actually one in series six, was going to be one in series six where I was like, this and tim said i actually like that film and jack said yeah i think it's all right i said well i don't like it but that's fair well we've got this other one in the series that um yeah we'll go with this one 
So I don't think there's anything specific that we've had to go like properly like biting heads saying, no, you're wrong. You're entirely wrong. Because if we have any issues, we just voice them on the show most of the time. That's kind of the point, isn't it, really? Yeah, to have the different perspectives. I don't think, but there's, as Jack said, I think even things like Ghostbusters 2, we thought would be quite controversial, but people who are massive fans still say, eh, there are issues. We get it. So, yeah. It's still not as good as the first one. And we're like, see, yeah. see, we were right all along. <laughs> it could be improved. So, exactly. yeah. Thank you very much for your question. Next up, another regular of ours, another mm. person I recognize from Twitter. It's Ben Emerson at bon- Bonzo E92. What's an underperforming film that you feel could have become a franchise had it done better at the box office? Mm, very interesting. It's an obvious fucking answer to this that we've already covered in a whole episode dedicated to it. It's Dread. Yes. And I will bring that film up at every goddamn chance <laughs> we try because I adore that movie and yeah. wish it had spawned a whole 2000 AD thing. And we talked about, we even talked about it on Cinematic Universe's episode. We talked about it on a whole interseason episode dedicated to us pitching different versions of Dread 2. Mm-hmm. That film deserves sequels and a cinematic universe and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It and could also have been part of the alternate film died um, at... thing we did, alternate film history. Mm, if that's been, yeah. Yeah, what, what if Dread got a huge sequel and became a huge thing and spun off into a franchise? We could have done that as well. So Dread, Dread did really hugely at the box office, but mm. it was written by Alex Garland, so it can't have possibly done well. <laughs> <laughs> that's the rules. Yeah. The curse it of a good artist. Brilliant film after brilliant film after brilliant film, and they just mm. don't do anything or go anywhere. Or they're just chucked onto Netflix because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> okay, great, thanks. Mm. But yeah, Dread is the obvious answer from me. There's a couple of other, like, not necessarily sci fi kind of stuff, but yeah, just those kind of, yeah, the cerebral kind of, like, things you wouldn't think. We were talking the other day, like, I can't believe we're recording this early May, to put it into perspective. So... Yeah, the Demolition Man news kind of just fairly recently came out. I'm like, what yes. the fuck? Yes. I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine came out, and I mm-hmm. absolutely love that movie. And again, another immaculate filmmaker, Mr. Villeneuve. Oh yeah, like Denis Villeneuve has made fucking amazing films, and weirdly enough, Dune is something I can see that could spawn out this whole other thing because. Maybe some people don't know. There's a bunch of fucking Dune books. There's loads of the bastards. Yeah, And they could huge. really kind of span things out and make it the next big Lord of the Rings, the next big Game of Thrones, the next mm-hmm. big Star Wars, the next big franchise kind of thing. Mm. And because Frank Herbert just created this whole Duneiverse, the <laughs> the Dune universe, yes. kind of colloquially as it's known. Um, I think he wrote like six novels mm-hmm. and then Brian Herbert who, who's his son carried it on with another like 10 novels or some books and he's still doing them now like they they came out like a few years ago yeah and it is like an I, I must confess I think thing. I've only I think I've only read the first June I mean I just read probably the first June I know I, I have only Arrakis read stuff, the first June as well yeah yeah I think that's true of most people literally everyone (laughs) (laughs) there are some hardcore dune fans and that's about it and they keep it alive it seems um i've heard good things obviously hmm. the first one is considered like one of the best like genre fiction 
ever, basically. Yes. Yeah. The best, maybe the best sci-fi novel ever written. Um, and it is, I'm, I'm re-listening to it as an audiobook because I read it when I was a teenager years ago and I'm kind of rereading it for the first time via an audiobook and really, really enjoying it as well. Mm. But it is, I don't know, let me just check, 30-something hours long or some bollocks? Mm-hmm. Is long as hell. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me have a quick look. Um, just finished Neuromancer. That's another thing I could think. Uh, a bit of cyberpunky goodness. Ah, could, uh, yeah, go go yeah, a long yeah. way. We could do with some more cyberpunk stuff. Dune's uh, <laughs> only actually twenty hours long. It's not as long as I thought it was. But um, oh, okay. Yeah, if you're looking for an audiobook, I can certainly recommend Dune. It's a full, like, cast production. So the different the different perspective characters and uh, all the main characters are played by different voice actors and stuff like that mm. it's very very cool very well done <clears throat> I, I recommend it yeah and yeah dune is definitely something i could see if and please god let dune be good because oh, i trust it has to i trust be. i trust denis with my life it has to be but i hope to god it does well because blade runner 2049 did crap at the box office and i think that's it, it did crap but he, he still managed to get another big huge sci-fi epic yeah, um, yeah, I think that's the key thing here is that somebody supports him somewhere, knowing that he's doing the right stuff. Um, and I think that's that's kind of integral and important to the success, really. So, I, this is a bit of a tricky one because we have a segment, as as Jack Brown is saying, uh, uh, films we'd like to see sequels to, things we'd like to have seen carrying on. And Dread mm. is always a great shout, always. And yeah. we've got lots of more that we have uh, lined up and things like that. Um, but for the specific wording of the question, underperforming at the box office, and or underperforming in general, critically or otherwise, and it could have become a franchise specifically. If I'm brutally honest, I think there are so many projects that never got off the ground that are more uh, frustrating for me, because if it has a thing that it didn't go anywhere, like uh, like. Serenity, for example, you think to yourself, mm. it'd have been nice yeah. to see more. Of that. I know it, it, it gives you enough, but it would be nice to see more of that sort of thing. And you know, it, it performed admirably because it was specifically pitched to fans and tried to do what it could to incorporate new audiences, but not enough of a way that could actually go somewhere with it. For me, there are things that I've seen come so close. So I'm, I'm kind of warping the question. I apologize for that. But for me, I'm t I think if we take underperforming to mean underselling to the uh to the executives so there was for a very long time uh, an attempt to adapt in a cgi form an animated version of the goon which is a as a awesome little comic and very influential um, comic series yeah and i want to say it was being helmed by david fincher wow. and there it was the, being voiced by clancy brown and paul giamatti the voices really suit the characters. The animation style was really cool. I'm ready for Clancy. As soon as you said Clancy Brown, I was like, yeah. Yeah. And it basically just this, this, these two different types of characters. Obviously, they're fighting zombies, that kind of thing. It's 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 an adult animated film. But it's like, this is going to be great. And that was oh, Clancy first... Clancy Brown's perfect. That was first teased out, I want to say... Oh, my God. Um, 2008 or nine, maybe. It's Imagine a world where... You know, the, the footage of Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool was leaked in that animatic and it never got made as a film. And everyone would be like, oh, that would have been so fucking good. And we know in this universe that, yes, it was good. So in a weird way, 
had that performed better, I think the Goon and a spin-off universe, even to the degree... Because is it Image or Dark Horse? I think it's Dark Horse that owns... Dark Horse, Dark I think, Horse, yeah. yes, yeah. And Dark Horse is also Hellboy. So if you wanted to, you could have, in theory, incorporated that into a potentially... Not really a shared universe, but you could have done something with it in the same animation style, done a franchise crossover, that kind of thing. It could have been really interesting. So that would be my pick even though it's a bit of a warping of the question, personally. <laughs> kind of to, to tie our answers together in that way, one of my favourite documentaries ties into that quite nicely, which is Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. him trying to make Dune and trying to make that film and what a fucking mess of production it was and chaos and stuff. Yeah. And again, that could have kind of tied into uh, alternate film history as well. Like, what could have been if we had gotten a Dune yeah. film from Alejandro... Jodorowsky like it would have been such a weird completely different I mean Finch is quite weird as it is but but this is different yeah yeah would have been very weird okay next up we have a question from Facebook it's from Stuart Main hey Stuart what's been your favourite and then in inverted commas canon episode to yeah. record so, so I assume that means I'm guessing it's yeah I assume that means literally this yeah. the, the actual season content it always sounds bad if you say oh mine would be series one it's like well that then pisses on Tim, because he wasn't there. If you say series four, <laughs> he's like, well, then Stuart wasn't there, uh, or three, because Tim, Tom wasn't there. It, it, it's, it's, it's never a personal slight. It's more just the mindset we go into it. We're not as pressured from writing scripts, and we don't have the impact of deadlines, and hence we had this, you know, the enormous stretch of time trying to figure out what we we're doing with things, and yada 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 yada. So I think a lot of them are actually very recent because we've had so many positive things and we have the reminders in the form of the outtakes. You get to listen back to those and think, oh yeah, there's so many... We're really just mucking around by having a good time, but also being fresh enough that we actually get the episode done at the same time. Commentaries are really fun to do. I think commentaries are the most fun I actually have because there's really? so little pressure to, like, you know, actually... Yourself, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, like, really focused and like pre in previous seasons i was taking loads of notes and that was very like mm. stressful and that whole thing or i'm writing a pitch or i'm like really like paying attention and or like hosting or whatever it is where with commentaries it's so relaxed and it is literally me watching a bad film with my friends <laughs> yeah which true. is the, the best mm. and it's like oh let's all sit down and what and we've already done one for season six episode one has a commentary that I really enjoyed doing. Um, I was about to say I, the exact same thing. And I hate that film. <laughs> and I still hate that film. And it is... My answer kind of ties into that as well. Episode one of season six, and I mentioned this in the episode and in the commentary, I think, is kind of a, a, lot, a parallel to episode one in season five for me, where I yes. had been sequelizing The Dark Knight Rises in my head since the day I saw it. Since the midnight release, I went and saw that fucking movie. I thought, I could have done that better. I hate this film. And we have that in season six as well. And we did commentaries for both. And they were both a lot of fun to I record. Agree. And yeah, The Dark Knight Rises, a.k.a. Nightfall, my version of that was kind of the most cathartic. Not only because it was the first script pitch I'd written for this show. But it was very much a thing of like, oh my god, I've been doing this like in my brain for the last seven years. I need to get this out of my fucking head and hmm. just, I hate this film and some people love this film and I don't get it. Fuck mm -hmm. this movie. Yeah. And we rewatched it and I was like, I'm right. 
this film is fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna fix this shit. This is rubbish. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was a big kind of like release of pressure from what would be yeah. like early early twenties Jack to nearly thirty year old Jack being like, oh, finally, just vindication finally doing through and the through. thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and the commentaries are so much fun. Oh yeah, completely. If you're missing, if you aren't part, and it must be like, because we know obviously, especially now with the, the you know way money is. Um, not everyone can afford to and we always appreciate the support but if you are on Patreon and you do have the $10 thing you do get the commentaries they are very good <laughs> um, and we enjoy them very much um, <laughs> the fact that we suddenly did like a, a random Pop-Tarts taste test during Escape <laughs> from LA for no reason other than we felt like we could <laughs> um, in answer I've to the question I've got future taste tests for future commentaries plan, don't worry. <laughs> in answer to my, uh, the question in general I'd say uh, if we just take series five, yeah, the, well, the series six commentary is really funny. Some of the things that I, I, it's always funny when Tim comes out with something. I mean, we're always good. Jack and I are very funny, John, but Tim would say something and he's, he gets so angry. If you haven't already noticed, Tim's the nice one. And in fact, there's an interseason episode, the, the finale of the interseason. We've already recorded it, but it is the finale leading into season six. You guys have heard like frustrated Matt and. You've definitely heard angry, shouty Jack mm-hmm. multiple times. That's kind of the thing I'm known for, apparently, which I learned about myself. <laughs> we get the debut of pissed off Tim. Oh, angry great. Tim is just, you know, when you see when like a little cherub just goes like, fuck you. And you're like, yes, it's that sweet. Scene. That sweet little angel has finally broken the seal of hell and is ready to unleash its fury. It's like Tim just gets pissed off. It's, it's uh, what's the face in Police Academy? <laughs> sure, excuse me, excuse me that you one. Listen up, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> you wait for that. Oh shit! Yeah, no favorite. I, I, actually, if, if you take to series five, just again to to avoid like missing people out and things, or or, or being overly um, nostalgic for the past. Um, series five alone, I'd say I really enjoyed the Despicable Me episode because it was so. The, everyone was like, like nobody likes those films. And, and 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 Tim refusing to watch the third one, and just saying nope, fuck it. Um, oh, sorry, refusing to watch the second one. I should say. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Us having fun with it and and just it sounds arrogant. Just being told, yeah, yours is a great great pitch. It really fits. But I wouldn't fucking watch it because I hate these films. And you're like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and then us having so many awful awful, I can't breathe moments of laughter because of the ridiculousness, which again is on the outtakes. Equally, I love that the recording of the battle royale episode for some reason because that features in the outtakes at least the story of jack eating a donut and i don't know why it makes me laugh but every time i listen to that japanese donut story yeah the japanese donut story makes me laugh every time partly because of the delivery of i said fuck you (laughs) 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 it'll be in a video we're producing about the patreon content but um yeah got that to look forward to Basically, if, if it was really fun and made us enjoy the episode, it usually gets cut and put into the outtakes or <laughs> um, or, or put into a separate thing because uh, they're funny. But also, I'd say uh, maybe the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode as well because we did the host host club, of the Japanese host club. With so who was our outtakes, basically? Uh, because it's, it's, it's a famous yeah. favourite episode to record. In terms of like pitch, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids one, I love the... Hannibal one that you did, I fucking love that as well. There's some really good things. We usually like when it's an efficient thing and we don't... Okay, what you don't usually hear is us fuck up the reading 
reading off a piece of paper <laughs> is really difficult. So anytime we get through the pitch without any issue, it's like, yeah, it went really well. But Wait, who's next? Who? What, where are we? What? Where are we to? Shit, oh, right. I'm in the wrong yeah, paragraph. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Things like that. All that stuff gets cut. Exactly. So basically, in terms of what's best to record, it's when we have a lot of fun, basically. And, and that's... It reminds us that we're not just slogging through it. And we've had lots of those in the past where we're trying to meet a deadline or we're just tired or ill or whatever. You know, oh, there's been a couple. Yeah. So when it doesn't feel like that and it's all very natural and we're like, God, I love doing this. That's when it feels good. So, yeah. Hope yep. that answers your question. Next up, another uh, member in, in the same tier as Stuart, since Stuart is such a he's top tier patron. Uh, another top tier patron of ours, Mr. Mike Salvia at... Mortrager, Mortrager. I, I, I'm never, never sure how to pronounce that. I like saying Mortrager. Uh, Mortrager. Okay. Mor, Mor, no, Mortrager. Sorry. Uh, Mortrager. Like, oh my god. Like, uh, is it Tris, Chris Traeger? Uh, is that the name of uh, Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Rec? I'm not sure. I always think of it in. I just, I look at it. I'm like, the word mortgage, like mortgager. Like what the? Oh no, that's not the word mortgage. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Mortal Kombat super fan, Mike, as we know him. Yes. Oh um, wait, 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 Mort. More rage. Um, it's got to be more combat based, surely. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. Well, the, let let's leave it a mystery forever. <laughs> we'll ask Mike. It'll be fine. He has given us a fantastic little uh, group of questions here, and we're going to do them fairly rapid fire. I feel like we should do them without explanation and just kind of rapid fire through them because it'll okay. be funnier that way. I haven't read these, so okay, I'm ready. Three characters. And okay. Which of the three sequelizers do these characters represent? So you get a trio from Shit. a fiction. And you've got to work out who is who in that trio from Matt, Tim, and Jack, and how they relate to. And here's the first one: Cyclops, Storm, and Wolverine. Fucking I, hell! I think, I think I'm the Cyclops. Right. I wear glasses for first of all. <laughs> I'm, for want of a better phrase, like the leader because I'm the host. Yeah, sure. I but get like, that. Uh, it's annoying. Because I'm not really the leader in the same way that Scott isn't really the leader. Yeah, I say like Cyclops isn't the leader, really. <laughs> exactly. See he's, what I mean? He's in charge see? because people talk it, to him. See? <laughs> That's how I feel about sequelizers. Yeah, sure, sure. It makes sense. Um, and uh, hmm, I guess... I get... See, Tim, it feels Tim's like it's the me's... shortest. Is, is he Wolverine by no, height? No, I say... It, my my logic would be... he's too nice. Am I Wolverine because I'm grumpy and he's Storm because he's... How can I phrase Majestic. this? Majestic. Yeah. Um, no, it's, no, uh, no. The idea that Storm is <laughs> is is the best of them, <laughs> and yes, uh, if, if anyone should perfect. be the leader, it should be Storm. And, and anyone should listen yeah. to anybody, it's Storm. Anyone should be in charge, it's Storm. But it's not because Cyclops and Wolverine are too loud and obnoxious. <laughs> so technically, perfect. There we that's go. That's how I fit it. Okay, good. There we go. What's next? I'll let you you take the next one. Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Fuck from Harry Bloody Potter. Okay, okay. Again, Tim's Hermione, right? He's the best. Tim is... Or mm. you, because you, you're you a fucking... No, the, I'm a no-it-all prick. I've got to be Hermione. Um, Tim, see, you both want to have sex with me, so you could both be wrong. <laughs> no. Um, um, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm Hermione because I'm obnoxious, and that's helpful at times, but mostly just yep. fucking annoying. Um, yeah. Uh, Harry and Ron. I guess. Mm. Oh shit, that's really difficult because our personalities do not align. I feel like I'm the Ron and Tim's the Harry. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like actually Tim's the chosen one. 
And I'm like, the fucking hell, mate? What are you doing? Come on. You've got dirt in your I'm nose, the, I'm Jack. being all... I'm being, I'm being all, you know. You've got dirt just there. Exactly. On your anus. Yeah. You don't wipe you don't properly. Oh, I, I don't I think... Oh. I don't think Ron wipes properly. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically saying Ron Weasley has learning difficulties. <laughs> so basically, okay, let's take let's take the qualities of the characters. Ron is loyal fire, and Matthew. Ron Rapid is loyal. Fire. Ron is loyal and Harry is brave. So I would say uh, Tim is loyal and Jack is is brave. I guess. So Harry <laughs> is Jack. I did Pottermore test and I did come out Gryffindor. I'm a Gryffindor, despite the fact I'm very fucking clearly a Ravenclaw. Fuck you, Pottermore. I'm unfortunately but, very, yeah. very Gryffindor, and it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, so let's say, let's say that. Let's say, let's say you're Harry, uh, and cool. and that doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. No, doesn't you're fit. right. Tim's Harry, you're Ron, and I'm Hermione. Moving on. Yep, there we go. And what's next? I'll fuck oh, you. It doesn't okay. matter. Yep. The Powerpuff Girls, Blossom, okay. Bubbles, and Buttercup. Clearly, I'm Buttercup. Uh... Okay. Because Angry Jack is a thing. Angry Jack so is I'm a thing. So I'm the grumpy one that is like, I'm going to punch this thing. Fuck the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> sure. And just I get, get angry. So clearly... Um, that makes me Tim Blossom is... and Tim Bubbles. Exactly. Yeah. I don't need to need to explain that. It's fair enough. Summed up perfectly. Yeah. Moving on. The big <laughs> the big one for you, Stogden. Yeah. And this is this is a fucking big deal, all right? Okay. The Holy Trinity of original series Star Trek. Kirk, Spock, and Bones. Mm. The three men that feature on the poster for your very film. That's a fucking great poster. Scary to them. <laughs> That's an Bloody amazing, amazing poster, job. Yeah. Uh, right, bash us out. Ready? Um, Jack is Kirk. Tim is Spock. I'm Bones. Boom. Done. There you go. Sorted. Yeah. You're racist. <laughs> Tim's... <laughs> Tim's an alien, and I've got and I've got a lot of alien babies somewhere. Um, yeah, no, I'm the old craggy bastard who's probably yeah. talking sense, but also a horrible person. <laughs> it seems Spock is. Uh... No, we don't need to justify. Don't, I think it's right. I think it's right. No, yeah, no, don't second no. guess yourself now. No, we're right. We're right. Thought is right. You you nailed it. No explanation yep. needed. Yep. And lastly, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Ferris, Cameron, and Sloane. <sighs> Fuck. Now, I don't remember enough from Ferris Bueller's Day Off to know who the fuck these people are, because I've seen that film once about 15 years ago. I know who Ferris is. I don't know who Cameron and Sloan are off the top of my head. I guess it's the other guy <laughs> and the girl, right? Uh, you're correct. Um, <laughs> what's weird is one of them is like, yeah, one of them's a Sloan couple. That's Ferris what's the weird thing. Let's say... <laughs> Jack would be probably the most neurotic, so he's um, a bit. Cameron, I think. Tim is the coolest, so he's Sloane. Uh, and I'm Ferris because I'm a little too hyper. How's that work? Here's one, Mike. You didn't ask us, but we're going to throw this one out as a bonus. B -b 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 bonus! Neo, Morpheus, and Smith. To avoid us wanting to fuck each other. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm Morpheus, yeah, sure. That makes sense. You'd be Neo and Tim would be Smith. Would, that, would, you, would you think it'd be different? I was going to say the opposite. <laughs> really? Interesting. Tim, Tim's the chosen one, once again. Tim is the chosen one, this is true. Tim's the chosen one, and I'm... A, a clone. A, a robot that's trying to take over the world. Yeah, all right, I'll take it. Um, okay, cool. The next question comes from DJ Lobot, which 
I feel like it's feels like an oral notes reference, hopefully. ZZ Ramon at ZZ Ramon. So I think this came out on Twitter. I th- I think it's a robot chicken reference, isn't it? Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Moving on. Could you come up with a viable sequel for Krull? I've always wanted one, but sadly it will probably never happen, and this would be the next best thing. No, it won't. Maybe we'll do it in a future episode. No, Krull is shit. <laughs> Krull is fine at best. How dare you, um, sir? You're right. No, so interestingly, yeah, maybe it's one of those things whereby we have a long master list of things, and it could be on the whole films that deserve a sequel, in the sense that you know, everything else gets a fucking sequel. But more importantly, there are things you can do in a second story or a continuation that you can actually improve upon as well as expand. So, yeah, I'd say never say never. But, I mean, if you want us to do it, like, right now, okay. Well, if we, have, I think if we ever swap the... No, Matthew, we're definitely not. We, we have said we will open up to mediocre movies as well because we want to talk about some of them as well. But uh, to, sh- to bad movies is, is, is tricky. But... I mean, one day. There's, the problem is, there's lots of content for us to already get through, so who knows? Next up, we have a question from Bear Swift mm-hmm. at writer underscore bear on Twitter. Pitch any movie to be either rebooted or sequelized as a TV show, mm. a la Westworld, and explain how it would work. Instead... Mr. Swift, aka Mr. Bear. That is something we've talked about doing this is for true. an interseason episode, funnily enough. So we have talked about TV shows that had films as sequels, mm-hmm. aka Firefly into Serenity or the X Files into the five or six <laughs> X Files movies that has probably been by the time this thing comes out. That kind of thing. Or doing it the other way around, where you reboot something into a TV series, and oh, that would be much better if it was done as like an HBO miniseries or something like that. So, I'm afraid I won't be answering your question on listener feedback. You'll probably get an entire episode dedicated to your question somewhere down the line. So, there's a little bit of a compromise for you. So, it is coming, but it's going to require deeper consultation should we say yeah we, we we do want the long form for us to literally talk about that for a couple of hours because that'll be fun um and again it's a really interesting things. topic i love it exactly so that is, that is definitely coming in the meantime i'll tell you what i will give you my answer of something that did happen like westworld for example because westworld i've been really enjoying jack and i've been talking about this uh where jack sort of hasn't have you seen some of it some series i've seen episode i've seen season one and i have not seen anything past that yet Series 3 I found interesting because it changed up from what it initially was and became a bit more like something else I enjoy. Not entirely sure I liked the final episode because I thought you could kind of just end it here and it worked quite nicely. But it's like, let's just do more. I was like, maybe that's, that's maybe you're done now. A bit too meandery. Could end up like Lost, for example. But I think uh, it's surprisingly entertaining and fun. I enjoy it. However, a show that I... Oh, sorry, a film that was then rebooted into a TV series that I would argue is better than the films, and the films are also on the list of things to be sequelized as well, is Ghost in the Shell. Mm. Ghost in the Shell is a very important and very big and very uh, powerful manga and anime film, but also became, um, effectively speaking, I feel like 
uh, the Ghost in the Shell standalone complex series one and two, and the the they did a film as well out of that, so two seasons of the film. But I felt that the long form was better for the procedural for the police thing. It did much more world building. The idea of individual eleven stuff and the Laughing Man, really good arcs. They also boiled those down to some films as well. It's just really well done, and it gives you the the chance to really explore that world much like Westworld for example you want to explore the world you want to be able to go through things and again I as we said before we are going to definitely get into this at some point um hopefully soon to really explore it but in the meantime that would be my actual real world answer where the film is great Ghost and Shell's just a, a good film and uh flawed in its places but still very good and very formative and standalone complex is a massive step up and a massive improvement so I hope that's more constellations of some some worth to you. But it is coming, so stay tuned. Next question is from Maelstrom51210. At Maelstrom51210. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Will you ever consider sequelizing reboots or franchises? Because, man, there's a lot of crappy reboots out there. I got one word for you, Maelstrom51210. Requalizers. We got sequelizers, we got requalizers for remakes and reboots and all that kind of shit, and for prequels, we got prequelizers. We're sorted, we're planning for the future, don't you worry your pretty little maelstrom head about it, alright? We are, we're planning for it, we're, we're covered, we're not just stuck with sequels. We're, we're we've been planning this since like season two almost. Probably. We have, we have, yeah. I jokingly was like requalizers, and then we we did like brequalizers films about cheese, <laughs> trequalizers, eco friendly films, <laughs> and did this whole thing. I think it spun off on the Discord at one point of like I think so. Oh, what about sea equalizers? So like water world. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um... But yes, we will do, and you'll probably get an entire season yes, dedicated most to that. So even better than the previous one, we're like, you get an interseason episode. Maelstrom five one two one zero gets a whole fucking season dedicated to their question. So uh, enjoy. Also, I should also point out in terms of rebooting franchises, part of the stretch goal for our Patreon thing for the for a certain for the next one up basically is to record a multi part deep dive into the MCU. Because we always people say, oh, why don't you just fix this MCU film? I was like, well, actually, if you start pulling out that thread, we'll be talking for a long time. So we've said like a three-parter, like two or three hours long each part sort of thing, talking about just the analysis of what they are, then going into what we'd fix and change, then go with what we change going forward, that kind of stuff. So for franchise, at least, that is something we've also got planned. That might come possibly sooner than the, the, the season when we get the, the requalizer season, possibly at this rate. But um, yeah, so... It, it's it's one of those things we're aware of, and we do hope it doesn't sound like we're being like, uh, yeah, 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 it's coming, fuck off, because we genuinely have a plan, you know, pandemic, not with standing, just you know, getting in our goddamn way, but effectively we do have a plan, and we do want to do this stuff, and it's also fun for us, so we do want to, we will, we will definitely come to it. Mikey from Twitter at Space King Mikey, what again? Your what Majesty. I know you guys have done video games that would work as movies or TV shows, but what about vice versa? What movies do you think would make fun games? None. <laughs> I have a reason for this, but I'll I'll let. Uh... Do you want to go in for it first, Jack? Or uh, I've got I've got a few ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something like the raid, 
making like a climbing up the the building like fighting a bunch of dudes with some really cool i would assume called kind of like the arkham uh combat with lots of counters and flips and stun moves and improvised weaponry and all that kind of stuff i'd be down for something like that an rpg set in like an open world rpg set on dune or something like that like a mass effect style like a if bioware got the license for dune or something like that or i don't know name a big sci-fi franchise like yeah i would love i would love something like that give me open world rpgs in fantasy lands and and sci-fi lands for the rest of time and i'll be a happy boy basically yeah i think that that's that's the kind of two things that jump out on me straight away there's there's obviously a few other thinking like um take the the formula for something like alien isolation which i think is maybe the best example of taking a film like alien this is very true very translating true we're talking about tension scenes there fuck me alien has a lot of tension scenes when you see the, the, the what's like the movement monitor whatever they Dallas call that the, the little tracker yeah. thing yeah and they're like mip mip yeah mip 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 like, oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and they put that in the game in that your character has to literally look down and you get the beeping and there is <laughs> one fucking xenomorph and it is hunting you <laughs> always and it is terrifying and you'll just be in a room and you'll just hear for clunk what was that I just crawled out of that event two minutes ago and I've been on this computer thing ever since downloading the password to unlock the door in the next room. But out of the vent behind you, you hear a clunk. And then... That's the... It's, it's, the, it's the, the precursor sounds. Just genius. Alien Isolation is a genius game. I love it. Yeah. That may be the best example of taking a film and making it into a game that really captures the essence of that original game something like that translating it into an online setting so you've had like the friday the 13th games yes. which wasn't great but like one of the person is playing as jason and all the others are the camp counselors like running away from him and trying to get petrol for the car to escape and all that kind of stuff that that kind of works and the one that came out very very recently which is getting pretty pretty decent reviews is predator hunting grounds oh, predator. which again is a asymmetric multiplayer so one player is a lot more powerful than all the other players you've got like the colonial marines or the like the the marines or whatever it is fighting against the predator and one of the players is the predator and they are going around taking out all the other players and the other players are basically teaming up to try and take out this one player who's super powerful people are really fucking enjoying that game and i think that works mm. really well to translate again I know it's sci-fi horror again. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on a thing here, but translating that kind of sci-fi horror thing no, but that's into the, that it's a formula kind of works. works really well yeah. as well. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I'm very torn because I can think of three really good examples. One was Alien: Isolation, uh, fantastic game. I really enjoy it. The other, that's oh, all right. The other one I could think of was back on PC when I was like, oh, I want to say late '90s, early 2000s. Must have been '90s, which was Alien vs Predator. The first one. Oh, yeah. This was 
before they did films, is, yeah, it's kind of yeah. similarly inspired by it. Yeah, and that's when you could play at, and you had like three different storylines where you play as an alien, play as a predator, and play as a human. And they were, or a colonial marine, I should say, and it was great. The the different modes were balanced and fun. It was almost like an, a difficulty setting of easy was playing as a predator, I medium was playing as a game, human, so good. hard is playing as the fucking alien. Um, but it was great. Um, there was also. I only played it on Xbox. I don't know if it was an Xbox exclusive or not, but um, Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. And that was fun. That was good, considering... That, I think Very it was, well received. That yeah, was I, think it was, uh, I don't know if it's in between Pitch Black Better and than the film. Chronicles of Riddick, but it was great. <laughs> and it played really, I mean, the only thing that could, sort of criticism it received at the time is it didn't have multiplayer mode, which it could have really, really uh, benefited from, but I thought it was a good game. There is a problem. Um, the time it takes to make a triple A game, which let's face it, we want a big, decent game, is a lot of commitment, a lot of time. Yeah, you have to sync as probably about the same amount of time as making the film in the first place, from green green light to script to green light to to, to getting it produ- produced and released. Yeah, okay, there are some big things like Lord of the Rings, for example. You play the movie kind of thing, and they go down fine because you know it's going to be a success no matter what. Other things are retrospective, like the Blade Runner game, which again is very, very popular, the, the old PC game from years ago. Let's face it, Riddick is a it was a risk. There's a lot of movie tie-in oh, shit, tons of that shit as well. Like the Batman Begins game is yeah. famous. Uh, the terrible. Constantine game. And all, there's hundreds of for, for every Arkham Asylum oh, and yeah, Arkham yeah. City Batman game or Alien Isolation or whatever it is, there's a bunch of shit that is just like, oh, we churned it out in nine months because that's all the lead time we were given so here's a reskinned version of this bullshit yeah here's here's some shit we were trying to make anyway and we just made it one of your things and it's just like it's it's crap and one of the best examples i thought of the one that just literally does not understand the 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 themes of the film at all is the fight club video game which is just a a fighting game that was fucking terrible yeah that was fucking it's like you don't understand because what we learned about fight club was Fighting's cool, right, guys? <laughs> There's no project mayhem. I think that was that was the theme, yeah, wasn't it? It's called Fight Club, what guys. Come on, I didn't read the book or watch the film. Yeah, it's a yeah. club about fighting. What could go wrong? I think the interesting thing is what you get now is mobile games. Tie-in mobile games of varying quality and size, and that's all you're really going to get. It'll be very unlike... Unless it's like an established property like Predator or Friday the 13th, or something that's already going for quite spirit. Like Alien Isolation, for example it'd be very unlikely you'd get one to tie in with it. It's cheap and it's quick and you can get away with lots of them very quickly. Um, and it, it it doesn't act, outstay its welcome. You don't need a um, a specific format like a PS4 or an Xbox or a Switch or any of that shit to really make it work. You just need a phone and everyone has one of those. I do have one I would like to see as an example. I would like Tom Cruise to suddenly get interested into video games. Um, maybe through hanging out with Henry Cavill for like five minutes and going, oh, what's this Witcher thing you're talking about? I would like to see a Mission Impossible video game with the structure and sort of styling of uh, an Uncharted game. Because when we recorded our video games thing, I hadn't played any Uncharted games at that point, I don't think. Now I've played all of them. I really like them. And they have such a level of quippy nonsense, sort of hyper... Um, masculinity, but also hyper pulpiness. Very hyper pulpiness, exactly. Yes, that's right. And um, and also everything's so ridiculously over the top. They're like surfing down a building as it's exploding. Like 
what is this? Fuck off. But it's fun. It's really fun. And, and while you're surfing down, he goes, whoa, I get gravel in my ass. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and, and like the, the start of the second game, he's climbing up a, a, a every every time you see a pipe, you know for a fact, after a while, one pipe isn't going to be a pipe you climb. It's going to be a pipe that breaks and goes, whoa. It's going to break and yeah. it's going to swing out and you're going to go, whoa. And I could see that being yeah, a Tom Cruise thing, but I would like to see it done like a really big project to the degree that it would be Mission Impossible 7 in, for all intents and purposes. Um, they'd, com- they'd commit to oh it properly God. and have crews and everyone else involved and and it would be a success, hopefully. That's what I would think would be quite cool. But again, that would that would need to be a genuine commitment. People would have to say themselves that they would want to make it work and commit to make it work. And again, the amount of money involved, the amount of money coming back from it, although video games are still a huge, huge revenue maker... It's bigger a risk. than films last time I checked. It is, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because the, let's face it, it's the, the 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 cost. But at the same time, you know, likely to get that very slim, but possible, entirely possible. Next up, we have one of our higher tier Patreon individuals who's decided to ask a lot of questions. So let's get to them. Jonathan Firth Clark via Gmail, also known as JFC. He never introduced himself. Is that other people call him that? Hi guys. Hi. Me again with a few more questions for you uh, in your next viewer feedback episode. Which is now. It is right now. Have you or would you consider doing a video game special where you sequelize the story to a video game sequel you hated or felt disappointed by? Now, I'm going to speak for Jack and Tim. Please do. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think so I mean it would be nice and cool to do like a bit extra bonus Patreon stuff or may- mm, probably not in season but only in my opinion because it's not film and I think that's well, tricky because yeah. I, th- I think it's something we could do in the future but again if our circumstances are very fucking different and we're suddenly doing this full time and we're making 10 times as much on Patreon if we make this like a $5,000 Patreon goal sure. or something like that that's more reasonable than, you know, we're actually making significant money. We could invest our time and effort and all that kind of stuff and blah, 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 blah. Realistically, we don't have the time to be doing that. I know we talked about um, doing sequels to TV shows and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, you could sequelize. Sure. I mentioned Clone Wars earlier. Like, oh, how would you finish the Clone Wars? How would you do season seven or whatever? It's like, so. So, Tim, you've got six seasons of a Star Wars cartoon to catch up on. We're recording it in a couple of weeks. I assume you don't have anything else to do because that's all you're going to be doing for the next two weeks. It's, it's, it's not feasible, unfortunately. I, I love... Vi- I, video games are, like, one of my absolute favourite things in the world. M- more so than films, I will, I will admit. Like, as much as you are the, the film buff, the film critic... I did used to write about video games in a previous job. Um, I was briefly in the uh, comics and video games journalism kind of stuff uh, in my early 20s. Went to cons, all that kind of stuff. Went to EGX, did cut the coverage and all that kind of stuff. And and video games is very much like my medium of passion, really. Um, And it's the thing like if I want to really sit down and relax or whatever... My first thought is, okay, what am I going to play? It's not, oh, what comic am I going to read? Or what TV show am I going to watch? Or what film am I going to watch? My first thought is, what's the video game I want to play? If I like, oh, you have a day off. 
that's my plan is like what video game am i going to play i would love to just do a whole other podcast of like here's my video games podcast Ta-da! but lord knows we've already got enough to do with sequelizers and stuff already so yeah as much as i would love to do it it's really not a realistic thing for us to do at the moment but if we continue growing, if we continue expanding, if uh, Sequelizers Limited becomes a, a bigger deal than it is now, and uh, we were able to dedicate more time and effort to it, then yeah, I would, something I would like to do in the future. Talking about franchise and empire, then yeah, totally. Because I mean, it, it's, it's as you said, it's the reality of. I mean, uh, JFC and I were actually on a chat on um, uh, a cafe in Norwich called One Life Left, where there's a video game cafe, and we were all talking about the remake of Final Fantasy VII. And again, that was a good 30, 40 hours of gaming to get to, I want to say, two weeks after the release, where we could actually all talk about it um, in full spoilery content, with the backstory of most of us having played the original Final Fantasy and other Final Fantasy games, providing that kind of context about you know personal perspectives and opinions and you know, and that if we, I mean, Jack, Tim, and I have a lot of crossover in that regard. We've got a lot of things where we're like there are certain titles that we actually have access to and have familiarity with. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I played that as well. And other times you're like, I mean, again, I'm talking about Uncharted, for example. Um, the answer is, it did. Well, that came up in the Indiana Jones episode where I was like, and every time you're like, oh, and this thing happened, I was like, right, so like an Uncharted 2. I'm like, what? I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes later, we're like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I think when this had happened. Yeah. Like an Uncharted 3. Like, Shut up, Jack. I'm like, well, they're basically Indiana Jones games. This is true. So if you're modernizing this franchise, then tough. You're going to have crossover with the thing that is basically modern (laughs) Indiana Jones. And yeah, like I'm, uh, I don't know if the listeners know this about me. I think I've mentioned it a few times before. Like I've grown up on PlayStation and had a name a PlayStation piece of hardware. I have owned it. Except I don't own I don't own the VR thing because I can't afford VR. Who, who who's using VR? But I've owned all the PlayStation main consoles, all the handhelds, all that kind of stuff. So if there is a PlayStation exclusive game like the Uncharted series, or take back to like Jack and Daxter and all that kind of stuff, and the Killzone franchise, yeah, all that shit, people don't even care about. I'm I've I've played it. I've listened to podcasts about it. I've reviewed a couple of them, like. That kind of thing. And I was amazed when you said, yeah, I just haven't played any of the Uncharted. And I was like, what? Like, oh yeah, I forget. You go to the cinema twice a week, every week, for the last, what, 15 years? Something like that, pretty much? Probably closer to 20 now. Fucking hell. I go to the cinema... Sometimes? (laughs) That puts it into perspective. Like, you are... Not only are you watching at least one probably two sometimes three films a week whereas that's probably how many i would watch in a couple of we months point out, in the cinema at home i'm watching films every day in this yeah this is new releases in the cinema or like re-releases in the cinema or whatever this is going out using your odeon limitless thing to the point where they don't even ask you you're just like oh it's that guy with the odeon limitless with the mustache come in <laughs> sir here's your free popcorn sir like you know yeah. they just know you by now um whereas you're doing that i'm like oh i've played all four uncharted sure. games i've played the vita game <laughs> i played the card game that was on psp 
blah 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 and you're like i haven't touched yeah. any uncharted games i'm like how have you not what how have you not oh yeah i forget you focus your attention to a different medium and like obviously you play video games in the same way that i watch movies but it's not like your priority in that sense and it blew and much as it blew my mind i was kind of like oh yeah i'm kind of privileged in that way that i've had the time to sit down and play all the uncharted's and play the last of us and all the like the big ps4 ps3 bloodborne all that kind of shit i mean i created i created you in bloodborne yes, you did so, <laughs> <laughs> i created so, you. yeah it was kind of like in a love very lovecraftian mm. way was, i uh, think it's the idea that it, 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 take uncharted again at the time of recording the Indiana jones episode neither tim or i had played any of them and we were like okay i mean and, and and again, but the, I remember the comments on Twitter. There's no way this fucking guys haven't played Uncharted. I was like, we literally have no idea. We haven't even read like a Wikipedia article or anything. They're just not aware. And then I changed. I mean, again, I'm similar story with Jack with the, the PS, the PlayStation being my main thing until I jumped ship for Xbox and went back to PlayStation. Um, and at the start of this year, January of 2020, I've been just playing catch up on so many titles. It's been crazy and very good. I've enjoyed myself, um, but. I rinsed through Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now, they're quite, one would say, linear and smaller games than, than a lot of the bigger titles and things. Uh, like you know, And so it took me time to get through those. Now, obviously, one would say, right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to sequelize Uncharted 3, and it has to fit in with Uncharted 2 and 4, because 1, 2, 4 are great, 3 is, eh, it's fine. But there's some bits in there we can, we can work with. But in order to get to that point, you have to know so much about those characters and things. And... Now, Jack's already there. I've now got there. Now, Tim would have to do the same thing. And that's in addition to everything else we're doing. <laughs> we just need to bully Tim. That's all we need to do. Well, they're like free on PlayStation, whatever. They've been on PlayStation Plus. Now they're just straight up free because lockdown. And they're like, have the first three Uncharted games because why not? Yeah. And obviously, if we wanted to be like doing that stuff, we have to keep current and things. It's, it's, it, it's a thing. We'd like to. We'll see. Future. Who knows? We'll always discuss these things anyway, so it's fine. Question number two. When are we getting Star Wars? When we hit the uh, requirement on our Patreon goal to do the live show about Star Wars. The answer is actually twofold. One, as Jack has keenly pointed out, when we hit a Patreon goal, we will definitely get there. Don't worry. Um, secondly, though, it's, it's an interesting one because we did cover Star Wars... <laughs> In uh, one of our interseason things about why if there's no Star Wars uh, in in the alternate universe or, or alternate film history sort of thing, so there have been us talking about Star Wars and addressing it in things in the past, and we'll probably bring it up again in the future. Um, and also, there are spin-off movies and all kinds of things we might come back to at some point. Who knows? <laughs> question number three. In regards to question number one, I the one about video games. What are some of your guys' favorite video games? We actually did. I did this on. Um, on thing recently on Facebook, so I can whip out like ten answers really quickly in quick succession. So this will be pleasing and satisfactory. Right, here we go. Top ten, going from ten to one. God of War on PS4, Red Dead Redemption, the the first, but well, uh, well, not the first, like Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, Tekken three, Metal Gear Solid, Skyrim, as in the Elder Scrolls, five Skyrim, Mass Effect, the first one surprises a lot of people. Oh, the first one. Yeah controversial nope <laughs> uh i mean it is fine. it's controversial uh mass effect one is best because um i 
It's not. Carry on with your list. How dare you? Two's better. Two's oh, yeah. fine. Um, no, two's really good, but I prefer one because it sold me on the whole idea of it. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, because it, it's two, two is one of the best ones, and at the same time, Brotherhood introduced a really amazing multiplayer element that was very unique and very good, so Brotherhood, yay. Although there are really fun other Assassin's Creed games I obviously like. Silent Hill 2, fucking love Silent Hill 2. There's a lot of twos in here, and you'll notice that, listeners, because a lot of times video games come up with an idea and try it, and it's like, okay, I see what you did there. And the second time, they refine it, and that's when they nail it. So that's why Assassin's Creed 2, that's why Mass Effect 2 is better than Mass Effect 1. Well, exactly, yes, yeah. And that's kind of the point as well, because unlike film, well, less like film, the technology changes, which oh, also so, yeah. causes more improvements. And, unless yeah, you're so, James Cameron. Yeah. There is that, yeah. Final Fantasy VII, the original, not the remake. Well, the remake is very, very good. And finally, my favourite game is Bioshock. Mm, I'm not very good at nice. it, and the gameplay is is very kind of formulaic but the gameplay has not aged very not well really. in Bioshock, but the world building is fucking fantastic and um oh man would you kindly that moment just genius. fucking nailed it so um good. what about you so good um i i also did the top 10 on facebook <laughs> funnily enough let's see how many crossover there are. Uh, we do we have a couple of crossovers um the crossover we have so god of war ps4 i would argue maybe the best game i've played on the current generation of consoles. But by definition game... of my list, I would agree with you because I haven't included anything on the next generation, this generation on my list. I, I, I think it is essentially perfect as a video game. I think it is. The storytelling is immaculate. The gameplay is immaculate. It looks gorgeous. The acting is amazing. The writing is amazing. The world building, the way they reinvented what had become a stale, pointless, flavorless character at that point in Kratos. Like, it was amazing. Absolute masterpiece. Also, the fact that it's a one-shot, I can't... I know that doesn't count for video games, but it's a thing we should still address. The The thing doesn't actually cut away to anything. It continues. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a one, yeah. Yeah, also one it's long continuous take, I should say, rather than one, one shot. One long continuous take. Yeah, I thought you were one shot as in they're not doing the comic a comic form. form. Yeah. I was like, boy, have I got news for you, yeah. man. Sorry, one shot not in comic form. Because <laughs> they're in, definitely doing a fucking in cinematography form. form. Well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Batman Arkham mm. City is also on my list. Uh, the first Red Dead Redemption is also sure. on my list. Crossover with you there. Uh, the Witcher sure. 3. I'm a huge Witcher fan. Uh, Mass, Mass Effect, Effect 1, 2. Yeah, the sense, correct yeah. one of the Mass Effect trilogy. Mass Effect 1, yeah. Uh, Mass Effect 2, yeah, the second one. Yep. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. It was important when I was over uh, yeah, there as same well, thing. That was such a formative game for me. Absolutely. Um, the Last of Us. I adore that game. I know it's gone through a lot of a lot of people not keen on it, and a lot of people are really soured on it over the last few years. I know, but at the time when I played it, I absolutely adored it. And I think The Last of Us. I, I was one of those exclusive going back and playing. I started playing it and then Final Fantasy 7 came out and I went, yeah, you can stay on the shelf for a little while. And I'll, I'll go back to it. I will finish it. The thing is, it's fine. It's genuinely fine and it's good storytelling and I'm in invested and I'm involved and I really enjoy it. The problem is, I think it's one of those things where if you were there at the time when it's died. Another PS3 classic that I don't think many people know about and I think is hugely underrated is the infamous franchise. The original superhero stories that... Uh, the guys from Sucker Punch did, <laughs> and yes, yeah, Infamous Two is one of my all-time favorite games. Um, 
absolutely love that. Uh, a PlayStation Vita, speaking of my PlayStation hardcore roots here, <laughs> a PlayStation Vita game, uh, it's the golden version of Persona 4. One, my, my all-time favorite JRPG, I love Persona 4, and Persona 4 Golden. Can you fucking imagine if we had to sequelize yes, a Persona absolutely. game? Fucking hell. Having to play Sign all me up the Persona right now. games. Jesus I'll Christ. Do it, I'll do it on the spot right now. How dare you? Um, <laughs> I might have to invest so much time. <laughs> and one of the most formative games that has shaped my um, my love for role-playing games, my love for tabletop role-playing, my love for Dungeons and & Dragons, and something I didn't really realise was such an influence on me until I kind of thought about it and uh, my early PC gaming days, is Baldur's Gate 2. Mm, interesting. And I fucking loved Baldur's Gate 2, and I recently replayed it. I have played the mobile version, which is fine, but doesn't control well, but the story is still mm. fantastic. And... I recently replayed it on my laptop because I had my old disc somewhere and I asked my parents to send it in the post to me. And my laptop's a piece of shit, but it still ran it because sure, it's a, sure. what, 20-year-old game or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it, it's still amazing. I think it's still one of the best stories in video games. It's along those sort of like classic isometric RPGs. Um, recently, there's been a resurgence with Pillars of Eternity and there's the other one that I can never remember the name of Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2, Pillars of Eternity 2, Torment, Tides of Numenara is another one that's absolutely fantastic. I've really, really been enjoying that and it's a real throwback to that kind of classic RPG style. And yeah, Baldur's Gate 2 is one of the best games ever made, in my opinion. One of the best RPGs ever. Mm. And the reason I love Baldur's Gate and all that Dungeons and Dragonsy stuff now that I that I'm so obsessed with. I must admit, so. I um one that was very close to my list, which would have been there had I not played God of War very recently, um and you know impacted me the way it did. I think was uh, was Command and Conquer Red Alert because again I I'm gonna call it a PC game, so I I, I get that sort of. Oh nice. The reason it's not on there is because God of War found me at the perfect time, and I love the shit out of it. And more importantly, I'd been to Norway six months prior, and I'd been like, yes, feeling that. Viking Madness. Creed Valhalla. Like, oh, yes. hello. Excited. So, question number four. <laughs> Out of all the sequels you've sequelized, what would you say your favourites have been to make? And which of the ones you've watched did you find yourself thinking, bad film, but I kind of had fun with that? Not Son of the Mask. No. I think we kind of cover those in the episodes, if I'm honest. Um, not, not to dismiss the question. For example, like, uh, bad film, but we have fun with it. It's like, uh, the, the two ways of looking at it is I still don't mind Star Trek V. I still think there are qualities mm. to it. I think we sure. always say, like, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, I'm like, yeah, it's bits of it that are work. It's fine. And that's the thing. It's yeah. fine. Ghostbusters 2, we said, yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. It works. There are always bits and pieces where we're like, yeah, this this is, I can still, I can still watch this and still, you know, critique why it's not good, basically. Um, Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World, that's another good example. It's fine. I'll, I'll still watch it and enjoy it. The two examples for me are the finale of season one and epi episode one of season two. I actually really quite like Alien 3, more so than I should do. And Predator 2 has a special place in my heart, even though it's a, it's a bit crap. But yeah, Alien 3 and Predator 2 are, are very kind of... I, I can have fun with that. I, I, I would... 
go out of my way to sit down and watch one of those films and be like, yeah, I'm in the mood for this. Whereas fucking Son of the Mask or Batman <laughs> Forever yeah. or any of the other ones is just like, oh yeah, I want to sit and watch Superman 3, never. Or Terminator 3, never. Or Highlander 2 or Too Fast, Too Furious or fucking Beverly Hills Cop 3. Like, I never need to see any of those films ever again in my life. I, I still like The Godfather Part 3. That's still a good film. Oh, yeah. that I think that might be objectively the best bad sequel you've ever done. Because the reason it's a bad sequel is because it's a sequel to two, arguably, of the best films ever put to cinema. Correct. I mean, the highest of highest fucking standards. We're like... If this is not an eleven out yeah. of ten, it's dirt. It's it's pieces of shit, and it's like, well, it's arguable like a like a like an eight out of ten, but the other twos are like tens. It's 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 basically it's fine. It's 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 very well made. It's good, but the problem is it's not good enough. And it was fun for us to play with the version. And I still I still really like my Stradisquale. Stradisquale. Uh, like my my um Godfather pitch. Uh, of the sequels you've seen, which say your favourite has been to make again, I think we covered that already. But they're fun to do. Um, uh, and yeah, to be fair, we find ourselves having fun watching them. It's like bad film, but I have fun with that. It's it's got to be the the fucking commentaries. If we could, if we could, we discussed this previously. We had an idea for this, and it just became massively impractical and couldn't work, unfortunately. But we wanted to do a commentary for every single episode, um, and I still hope one day we might be able to do that. Because we have so much fun with doing love to the do that. nature of recording yeah. schedules makes it really, really difficult. But it is really fun, and we do enjoy them. Watching something for the first time with you two is just something special. Always, you've seen it, and you're sat there almost like watching me and Tim more <laughs> than... You know, there, there were those videos when like Game of Thrones had like the Red Wedding or that bit where someone else dies, yep. and then you get the video of... The, the partner filming <laughs> the other one in the couple being like, oh, this is a nice wedding. This is going really well. <gasps> oh, my God. And they're like freaking out. And the other one's like, ha, ha, I knew it was coming, but you didn't. And I feel like you're like that sometimes. Like, yeah, just wait until Steve Buscemi shows up. Just you wait. And we're like, this isn't that bad, man. I don't know. Oh, Steve, no. Steve, no. What have they done to Pam Greer's voice? Oh, fucking hell. Oh God, <laughs> it's yeah, it is fun. So so that would be my my answer, oh, I guess. Um, and then John <laughs> rounds off with, "Thank you for keeping us all entertained in these weird times. Oh, I look God. forward to more episodes to come. Um, you're very welcome as before. There's more to come. There's always more to come. We'll do more. We'll do as much as we can, basically. And uh, weird times or not, we'll be there for you guys. We'll be, there, we'll for be there for you. You're not joining me on a Rembrandt sing along. Nope. No." Oh. Shame. Matt don't Matt don't usually sing. Actually, Matt Matt sings and dances all the fucking time, except when he's expected to, then he refuses. It's the it's the <laughs> duality of being English and Irish. The Irishman wants to sing and dance all the I time. I must and jig, but I need to have a stiff upper lip. Seriously, the the yeah, yeah the constant struggle. <laughs> that thankfully there's not a situation like there is in in Jack's house, where Jack's fiance will video him, because Jack reacts perfectly, perfectly to being scared. And she'll just belt at him on like on Instagram story, and he will squeal. In that, I tend to either tend to jump up, <laughs> or I tend to like spin around and like flail my limbs everywhere. 
Um, she's done some screenshots. You just and I have really full do. on like it's proper like warped garb and like and you make great noises. Like, my mouth is just like. Whereas people try yeah. to stop me in the street and do the yeah. same thing. Um, and it's like, hey Matt, and the video. It's like, oh, I just turn. And I'm like, I don't like, I do jump because I jump a lot of these things, but it doesn't come across in a pleasing video aesthetic way. Um, so, but I, I know for well if my wife was malicious and vindictive like my yes. partner is um i mean my wife is don't get me wrong but if she did <laughs> she would uh she would video me like twatting about in the kitchen making food and just singing run the jewels and and dancing or moshing along to like some nine inch nails or some shit and then release that online i was like what is this twat doing so conclusion <laughs> next question <laughs> our last question comes in from a uh, an old podcasting friend of mine from my days in the Intercomics podcast, I'm a, my mate up north, Rob Richardson via Instagram. It's a big one, and we're gonna we're gonna get to it. Oh, but shit, okay. mm, mm, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about this. Your sequelizing Endgame. Oh, okay. Avengers Endgame, and due to the events of that movie, you can only cast one existing MCU character to kickstart a new Avengers lineup. With lessons learned from Spider-Man, which heroes do you choose who wouldn't need an origin story before making the new lineup? That's a lot to unpack. It's a big one. So that unlike the don't previous need, Don't need to pitch a whole lineup. No, like, no, no. Unlike, who would be your one yeah. MCU? I keep that person and they go yeah. forward. So unlike the previous questions, we're like, oh, we'll come back to the MCU, don't worry. This is different. Um, this is literally a pure hypothetical. So we're sequelizing Endgame. So our version of Endgame is not like Infinity War, right? Is it, sorry, I mean, I mean the, the idea that Infinity War happens and we uh, are now doing a new Endgame, is that correct? Or we're doing sequelizing as in what comes after Endgame? So we've interpreted this... I, 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 we could be wrong, Rob, sorry. But we've interpreted this as we're sequelizing Endgame, meaning that we're going to launch from the back of yes. Endgame, not replace Endgame. Yeah. That that's the end of that phase, yes. and the Avengers yes. are all done with, and they all move on with their lives, and blah blah blah. Steve Rogers is an old man, <laughs> Iron Man dead. Yes. Spoilers, etc. 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 Yes, you should have seen it by now. Fuck you. Which character from the MCU are we gonna pick to be like the new leader of the Avengers to create a new lineup from? And it can't be like, oh, Falcon and Black Panther teaming up together. Blah 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 one character to then go out and like recruit the younger people in the same way that Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury and sure, Robert Downey sure. Jr.'s Iron Man kind of then brought the next generation of characters through and like recruited them all and all that kind of stuff. So there are three obvious Marvel characters that you could introduce and I I argue that they are kind of like two of them are the big kind of like next generation of Marvel heroes that have been set up in the comics that have become very popular over the last few years. Uh, one of them has been around for a long time. And then another one I'm going to add in there is like even newer than that and is seems to be we might be getting a version of that in some form in the Marvel Universe. The first mm. one, the obvious one, Miles Morales. I know we already have a young Spider-Man. You could easily bring in another Spider-Man because into the Spider-Verse he's fucking brilliant and that would work really well. Um, I'm not going to do Spider-Gwen despite my history yes. of being on a Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen podcast in the, in the past. The other one is 
essentially the successor to Captain Marvel, the new Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. Yes, entirely. Along similar lines to Miles Morales, she was quite controversial when she first started, and then she was fucking brilliant, and then people realised, like, oh, her and Miles Morales, they're kind of like the new generation of superheroes. They are the modern, for want of a better phrase, like, this generation's Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel, they are the millennial sure, version of sure. those characters that these the kids these days can really get into and all this yes. kind of stuff. And the third part of that puzzle, I think, is the person who is rumoured to be getting a series on Disney Plus as of the time of recording. It might be true by the time this episode comes <laughs> out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> is Ironheart, a.k.a. Riri Williams aka the girl who's a genius who basically builds her own little Iron Man suit and becomes accessor <clears throat> to yes. Tony Stark. And I very much assumed we were going to go down that route when, again, mm. spoilers for Endgame, fucking sort your life out. Robert Downey Jr. dies. I am Iron Man, clicks his fingers, he dies. Yep. He dies in the comics and he comes back as like the AI in her suit. Which is a cheesy way to do it, but it's a way of keeping Robert Downey Jr. in the loop and like, hey, Robert Downey Jr.'s in this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah. Of course, the Neckbeards hated all three of yeah. those characters when they came out because they're all people of colour. And God forbid we have a black Latino Spider-Man, an Arabic superhero of any kind because grrr, or mm. a young black woman replacing an older white man in a role because it's the end of the world it's political correctness gone mad blah 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 two of those characters i think ms marvel kamala khan and spider-man miles morales have already proven themselves to be interesting complex well-written characters in the comics i think riri williams still has some time to kind of grow mm, um mm. i read the the very first like four or five issues of her comic when it very first started called iron heart i thought it was fine i haven't really i'll be honest i haven't gone back and picked mm. up anything since but i think there's a lot of potential for character growth there so introducing new characters and having someone like again i'm not to lean into the person of color thing but like have sam as captain america lead that and him be the new Steve Rogers in that role and do the whole Avengers Assemble thing and him be the role model for those three and recruit them and all that kind of stuff would work really well for me. And yeah, building up a young, like a young team of new Avengers, have them all be teenagers and stuff like that would be really interesting because we haven't really seen that in the MCU. The like It was kind of implied that Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen were like, oh, they're yeah. teens. It's like watching like, Greece. They're both 35. Fuck you. <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen is like the oldest of the Olsen twins. How dare you? <laughs> like, <laughs> she's in her 50s by now. She can't be they're like, oh, Hard no. Life they're, has they're aged they're little Russian teenagers. <laughs> like, no, they're not. They're clearly yeah. fucking adults. That might be That might be the perfect answer, unfortunately. So fuck you for leading with that, you dick. Because you're entirely correct. Miles Morales is is the the very best successor to Peter Parker. I I don't necessarily prefer or or because I don't really care for Peter Parker. I don't really care about Spider Man too much. But Miles Morales is great. Kamala Khan is infinitely better than Carol Danvers. I mean, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel is fantastic, but Kamala Khan's just more interesting and fun. Miss Marvel comics are great. I haven't read much of Riri as well uh, in Ironheart stuff, but again, 
I think she's an interesting point. I think she's a very interesting point. I think you're right. It takes time to develop the character. And ultimately, fuck people. Fuck people who say, oh, it's not what I'm used to for the last 50 fucking years. Who the shit cares? Those stories still exist. Here are some new stories. Yeah, it's not a neck bit though, is it? <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, that is that is definitely how you go with the future. That's really progressive and I really like it. And it also gets a young cast in as well as young characters. So it relates to the audience, isn't it? It's that, very good. Yeah, to, to go yeah. on the business side of things, you're, you're signing them to five year, 10, yeah. 10 picture deals or whatever it is. You're getting you're getting another Tom Holland basically. You're getting a complete fucking unknown, and being like, "Here you go. Here's this kid who's been in like two other films. Let's see how he goes." And then suddenly they're the biggest thing in the world, and yeah, they're in, and yeah, they they knock it out of the park. It's it's I think it's not necessarily recreating the formula because even Rob hinted at it like. Mm -hmm. How do you do the you do the thing where they don't need an origin story? They haven't, yeah. Because they have not done Peter Parker's origin story in the MCU. And thank fucking God they haven't, yeah. because we have seen that shit twice in the last like fifteen years, plus all the other times we've fucking seen it, and the fact that it's an inherent part of pop culture for the last forty years, we don't need to see that stuff. I don't think you need that as much as the, the all three of them mm. unfortunately are legacy characters. You've got Iron Man to Ironheart, sure. Peter Parker to Miles Morales, and Captain Marvel to Ms. Marvel, Danvers to, to Khan. But I think you have them just show up and just be like, holy shit, I've got powers. Yeah. I don't know who to speak to. And then it's reported to Nick Fury or whoever it is who's keeping track of this shit. Maybe Maria Hill. Um, and then they report to Sam, and Sam is the one that is like carrying on Steve's legacy and going forward and doing all that kind of stuff. No, so. it's a solid shout. I think it's yeah. pretty good. The only thing I'd say that's slightly different, I guess, would be I go more like the Young Avengers uh, thing. I would have Hulkling, Patriot, and Wiccan, and and Kate Bishop as Hawkeye, which again is something that we're actually probably going to get anyway. I would also like to have a theme. Miss America's fucking awesome. Yes. America Chavez is fucking awesome. I agree. I'd like Kid Loki in there as well, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, if you if, if you guys are wanting to some read some some weird esoteric Marvel comics, yeah. check out Jamie McKelvey and Kieran Gillen's and and yeah, Matt Wilson's yeah. version of Young Avengers that from. I want to say six years ago, oh, something like that. Oh. It's collected in a hardcover. It's one of my all-time yeah. favorite mm -hmm. Marvel runs, and you can get it in one collected like omnibus edition, and it is gorgeous and fantastic, and is a really, really cool exploration of young characters in the Marvel universe. Yeah, and I think I think I go down the same road because I think that you you have to do that. You have to. I mean, the, the, well, it would seem that uh, Disney are doing that. They're going like. Who can we bring in these new characters? Age isn't necessarily the important thing for them because I understand that they do what they like. They launched the thing with you know late forties Robbie Johnny Jr. So you know they don't really care that much, but they will need people of, of a bit more, uh, a bit younger just in case they need to, you know, have these legacy contracts. Um, in terms of the one MCU character to lead them all or to 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 launch the thing from, it's really difficult. Um, based on. Oh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Fuck my life for saying this. I'd do Hawkeye. Oh my god. Fuck you, Matthew. But here's the no. reason. No, here's, no. Here's the no. reason. Whatever you're about to say, 
No. Bad math. <laughs> very bad math. The reason I go Hawkeye is because nobody will care when then he has to die to rally them all to do something. But also, more importantly, his presence being very meh makes everyone else much more interesting. Not that they aren't that need that anyway. Because then, if if it's Thor, you want more Thor being silly and fun. If it's Doctor Strange, it's like well, he's gonna be an arrogant, very hard personality to get on with. If it's Captain Marvel, it's a lot he's of. He's also incredibly fucking powerful the, and can just it, solve all the problems. Precisely, and Captain Marvel's similar thing with the, the physicality. Uh, maybe you could get um, the idea that that uh, Black Panther leaves Wakanda and goes around trying to resource recruit from the world. But that's going to be very fish out of water as well, which is, may not work as as it could do. It feels a bit, um, I don't know, a, a bit like extreme Ghostbusters in the way you got one surviving member who's trying to recruit a new team. And I think I think <laughs> making that Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is the way forward. <laughs> you are wrong, Matthew. I mean, yeah, I told you, gave the perfect answer, but the, I still I feel the Young Avengers is a good, is a good way forward. So you went for the wrong answer. Rather than like an alternative. No, I did. The Young Avengers is a good shout. Patriot and uh, you know more people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, It's a good thing. But also, don't ruin them with fucking Jeremy fucking Renner. Who knows? They could feast on his flesh. Yeah, because he's corrupt. Because he's Ronin or something. I don't don't fucking know. Point is, that's my answer, and I hope you enjoyed it. And on that note, that is the end of the questions. That is the end of listener feedback between seasons five and season Mm -hmm. six. We will do some more in the future, don't you worry. We will also be doing some more live streams sure. and stuff like that, so you can ask your questions directly to us live and in front of you on streams and things like that. So you can, uh, yeah, get on there. If you are a patron of ours on the $10 tier or higher, you can jump on and, uh, yeah. Uh, they're available to watch after the fact. Uh, they're all on YouTube and things, which is very good. But if you want to join in and get a special secret invite saying, hey, it's on this day. And we usually tell you a couple of days in advance or three or four days in advance to have time to schedule out and lots of stuff. But if you want to be in the room, as it were, in the actual discussion, we had uh, John Scarrett in there as well. Our uh... Designer extraordinaire. Yeah. And we should point out at the minute, obviously, because of lockdown, it's, it's one of us video wise and the rest of us in the chat, as it were. Um, but at the same time, this will change when things go back to normal and we'll be all on there ourselves and be great. And we'll do them quite frequently. So, yeah, we're happy to interact with you guys as and when we can. Definitely. If you want to send in questions, all that kind of stuff, in the meantime, you can contact us on the various social medias. We're Sequelizers on yep. everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, sequelizers at gmail.com. I mentioned it at the top of the show. That is the email address to send your queries and questions to. Sequelizers.com is for all the links to the various podcast services. You can link to our Patreon page in there as well. And it also has the shop for all our t-shirts and posters and merch and all that good stuff as well. Sequelizers.com is basically the, the little hub of information for everything. Yeah. If you go there, you can't go wrong. You'll find all of our links to social media and even little bios about me, Matt true. and Tim, which is very, very lovely. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, I am JLW Chambers. Matt, if they want to follow you, you are S-T-O-G-H-Z, I Correct. believe. That is Stogs. Mm-hmm. And of course, you review films and stuff on the red right hand.co.uk. 
And you also make films with Cheesemint Productions, in which that is correct. I am occasionally in, as is Tim. Very true. We show up in Super Happy Kill Time. So if you haven't caught up on Super Happy Kill Time, get on that shit I before do. the new episodes come out. There's time to catch up. You you sat at home doing nothing. That's true. What what else? You, what better do you got to do apart from like all the other TV shows and films and video games and stuff? But go and watch Super Happy Kill Time. It's a lot of fun. It's live action anime, starring some people you might recognize from sequelizers and some other people as well it's exciting stuff even if he's not here you want to follow tim he's trivia underscore lad on twitter and we will be back next week with some lovely interseason goodness until then see you later